Blog Talk Radio. Coverage of the 2019 Pepsi North America Cup from Woodbine Mohawk is brought to you by Bet America. Play the Bet America way. The United States Trotting Association, Woodbine Mohawk Park, the home of the Pepsi North America Cup. Pacing for the Cure. Learn more at pacingforthecure.org. The Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, the home of the Hamiltonian. Harris Hoosier Park, bigger, better, bolder. The Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Windback Farms. Check out our stallion lineup at windbackfarm.com. The Harness Racing Fan Zone, putting you in a driver's seat. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation. The Raceway at Western Fair District. And Diamond Creek Farms, a cut above. And we welcome you into the broadcast. Mike Bozich here in the post time with Mike and Mike Studios, welcoming you to live coverage of the 2019 Pepsi North America Cup live from Woodbine Mohawk Park. Without further ado, let's send it live on site to our broadcast team of Mike Carter, Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale, and Ashley Mayu. Well, we come to the town of champions. It's time for the 2019 Pepsi North America Cup being celebrated in Raptorland. We'll talk to the Canadians, Garnet and Ace Barnsdale, just a little bit. But first, we've got a very special guest uh, joining us. It's a new member of our broadcast team, Ashley Mayu. And Ashley, I know uh, you've been to Mohawk Park a few times before, but uh, listen, you're helping us out tonight. We certainly appreciate it. What's it been like so far? been a while for me probably about 10 years I was you know younger when I came here but you know so far we have five races in the books we finally got a little bit of a price in the last leg after seeing a streak of favorites win so we'll see if it picks up maybe not in this race though the Ambro flight I'll tell you it's been a little bit of a chalky night uh, the pick threes kind of show that a little bit actually they're paying not bad considering uh, it's been pretty chalky throughout the program speaking of the Ambro flight let's dive into this race and this race is pretty much going to be either Hamill or Hanover or Atlanta, if you ask me. Yeah, I thought it came down to a two-horse race here. And, you know, Yannick ended up going with Atlanta, so that kind of, you know, tells you how he feels about it. But he also has to think towards the future. She's only four years old, where, you know, Hannah Laura Hanover is seven. 
So I think he thinks there might be a little bit more opportunity with Atlanta going forward. Now it's going to be interesting to see kind of what Mackie Kelly does with Hannah Lorahan over here. Uh, gets post number three and got the benefit of picking his draw. Um, obviously him and Yannick Jengra, uh, I'm assuming, would have helped Ron Burke uh, to select their post. But another interesting play here is the 10 emoticon handover will start now from post nine as number nine plunge blue chip is out. It'll be interesting to kind of see uh, what goes down here with emoticon handover, who from a Canadian standpoint is probably uh, from a Canada standpoint is the horse of the race. Yeah, she's very talented, you know, comes off a third place finish in the elimination behind Hannah or Hanover. I do think, the, you know, gets over one post is going to help them. We'll just see how it plays out. So far, the outside posts haven't been doing too, too good tonight. All right, Ashley. Well, listen, we'll be looking forward to your interviews. We have an interview. We're going to learn a lot about you later on, but they're running these things pretty quick. So we're going to get into this stakes card and uh, we'll be hearing from you soon. Sounds good. All right, Ashley Mayu, the newest member of our broadcast team. We're going to be talking to her throughout the night. She has Witter Circle Reaction. She'll be joining us for some analysis here at the table. Our man Garnett Barnsdale and Ace Barnsdale are standing by as well. But back at the post time with Mike and Mike Studios as we highlight the Armbro flight is Mike Bozich. All right, well, certainly, guys, uh, we our pleasure to join you once again here uh, from the post time with Mike and Mike Studios. And, uh, Mike Carter, we're kind of going on the fly here. Am I sounding good to you? <laughs> you sound good to me, brother. Good, good. Okay, good. Well, you know what? I, I, I actually set up the post time with Mike and Mike Studios outside, and I don't know if that's a good idea because <laughs> there may be some rain in the forecast here. So if you don't hear from me or if you hear a big explosion, that means I got struck by lightning or I'm scrambling for cover. <laughs> All right, let's dive into the Armbro flight. We see trainer Nancy Johansson on the screen. And Garnet, this is pretty much a two-horse race. Are you surprised to see Atlanta at one to five? Absolutely. Uh, listen, we understand Yannick chose the horse, but he had, you know, it might have been almost like a coin toss for him. I, I, I can't really see her staying one to five. You see the pick four payouts. Uh, she's, you know, $20 to $54 to me. That suggests something more along the lines of three to five to five to two. There's there's no chance Hannah or Hanover can go off at seven to one in this race. I don't think. As we say that the odds change, the arrow goes down one to nine currently. Uh, a number four Atlanta. That's not. It's surprising, but look at the wind pool. There's about I don't know eight thousand or so dollars in there and forty nine hundred bet on her. Look at the show pool. So if you look at the show pool, to me it appears like somebody made a bet two thousand dollars to win and show on her, which which would uh, skew the wind pool because there's an odd number of uh, bet on her to show yep. in the show pool. So I still think it's going to even out a little bit. Probably we're looking at maybe, you know, one to two to two to one or something by post time. I can't really see like, you know, Emoticon right now is eight to one. I mean, from the outside post, she's probably going to go up to 15 to 20 to one by post time, I would think. Well, Mike, I got to tell you, we're sitting in the paddock here at Woodbine Mohawk Park as it has been raining for a majority of the night. Uh, TSN is over in the spot we would normally occupy. So we're sitting in the paddock to our right is the man, the myth, the legend, Mick Wicked. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a fun night here so far. <laughs> it's great to be sitting beside McWicked. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> man, he's, uh, he's all horse because, uh, he's, uh, he was playing boss with his, uh, his caretaker a little while ago. So it's, it's pretty interesting to be right in the middle of it here. It's a little bit of a different perspective for sure. Yeah, no question about it, Garnett. Yeah, I was, I was uh, trying to update our website. By the way, for those of you uh, <laughs> that might be listening on the Blog Talk radio feed, go there because it just seems like everything is going wrong at this point. The website's having trouble updating. But uh, nonetheless, um, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, when you could sit next to McWicked, I'll tell you what, he's got some pretty interesting competition tonight, Garnett. How about the for the first time ever he gets to face Jimmy Freight? Yeah, you know, Jimmy's in, in the race. Think Big, Dream Big has been racing very well. Um, McWicked's missed a month. I, I don't know if that's going to make a big difference with him. But, um, 
it could be pretty interesting, especially the way that the track seems to be playing really fast all of a sudden. Um, we had a horse, Casimir Ritchie P., just take a mark of 49 and one uh, in the last race, which is more than a second faster than he'd ever gone. And he wired them. I uh, was really never threatened. So it's going to be interesting to see how the rain uh, continues to affect the track right now. I think it's making it fast and making it good for speed. All right. They are getting ready to step onto the racetrack for the sixth race. It's the Armbro flight stakes from Woodbine Mohawk park. Let's take a look at the field as they go by. How cool is this Garnet? Every horse walk that's right going to rock right by us. We might end up out. on that TV, so you better fix. I'm going to fix my hair. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Here comes Hannah Laura Hanover. Uh, she steps out with Matt Kelly. Atlanta will be the next horse to go by. Garnet, how much of a professional is she? Well, she's um, she looks pretty calm. Uh, she's just kind of moseying on out here, and uh, you know, four, three for three this year so far. Um, she's looked better than ever. Uh, you know, I think uh, matured for sure from age three to four and uh man I, I this is gonna this could be the best race of the night it's got potential walking by us now there is uh tim tetrick and here comes the six top expectations a little bit warm uh is the six top expectations looks like it but she's uh she's on she's been on a roll she's got uh three wins two seconds and five starts this year was second to handle her hand over last week in the uh armbrough flight elimination um she she you know the 23 to one i think um She's one of the better bets to use for third here, I think. All right. Here is the field number one. Royal Witch is trained by Benoit Belangean. Trevor Henry gets the drive. What's fifth beaten 12 lengths, and the elimination is going to be tough off the rails. There's the two. Westland Dancer, driven by Dave Miller, trained by Richard Banka. Fourth in the elimination, 26-2 and two final quarter. I really like this horse a lot, or this mare, to finish in the, on the ticket here in the super or the try. That's the two. Westland Dancer. Number three is the champ, Hannah Lore Hanover. She come, came back to Woodbine Mohawk Park, scored an impressive victory last week. will be interesting to see if Yannick made the right choice. The four Atlanta, also for Team Burke, owned by Crawford Farms, Brad Grant, Howard Taylor, driven by Yannick. Not much more to say that we, uh, than we already didn't say about Atlanta. It's uh, going to be a heck of a race here, I think. Five, the Erm, was fifth, beaten seven lengths. Going to be a tall task for the Erm, but might be worth a play underneath. The six top expectations just went by with her tongue sticking out. She's got three wins in two seconds this year. And Benoit Bergeron's having a, a dynamite year. I can't uh, stress that enough. Number seven. Let's look at it here. Number seven is Highland Top Hill. And how about trainer Amanda Fine making it into this race? Uh, was fourth beat in 11 lengths. But that wasn't, that's not uh, that bad considering who beat her. And this horse uh, initially was trained down by the stable, I remember. So that's another interesting angle. The 8PL Jill, second uh, member of the Team Bay Argeron Barn, having a very good year. Five wins, 108000 in the bank. Another one to consider at 49-1, to one, maybe to use on the bottom of your supers here. And number 10 is Emoticon Hanover, and by determination of Montreal, Luke Playa is the trainer. Bob McClure with the drive for the 10, Emoticon Hanover. That's the field for the Armbro Flight Final, 256 thousand dollars on the line let's introduce the fourth member of our broadcast team our man nick ace barnsdale nick what do you think of this race here man well handler hanover's coming off uh, a canadian record performance she went 150 and three i believe that's only a tenth off her lifetime best and uh she she was struggling a bit last year but she's come back superbly and looks dynamite in the in the lm i'm going with her she's currently three to one and i think that's a huge overlay of course atlanta is still a one of the best mares on the planet, so you've got to respect her. But at two to five, I would rather put my money on Hannah Lore Hanover. 
Well, you heard it best from the ace man. Hanover, Hanover being selected by Greg Blanchard as well. No surprise here. Three, four, then six. Mike, who do you like, man? Well, I think it's uh, it's a two-horse race. I mean, Atlanta's just been so darn good since joining the Ron Burke stable, but Hanover Hanover obviously is a, is a legend in her own right. I told you, you know, you guys from the outside, I think that uh, – I think Plunge Blue Chip's got a shot in here, guys. I really, really do. Uh, you know, first time Andy McCarthy, and I think the horse has a chance. Hey, hey, Mike, Plunge Blue Chip has no chance. Why? Because I'm in the wrong because, race? No, because she scratched. I meant to talk about Emoticana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I told you not to throw. I told you not to throw it to me because I'm doing a million things I'm there. Sorry. But... <laughs> I thought you were ready. I thought you were ready. I'm looking for trainer Ron Burke. Uh, let's see. Does anybody see Ronnie? What He's probably on track side at this point, I would think. Yeah, that's him. All right, we're gonna try to grab uh, trainer Ron Burke for a uh, short interview. Uh, actually, you get to see how we kind of do things. We just kind of you know talk about whatever here. So. Uh, she uh, she's laughing at us a little bit, but that's okay. Actually, that wasn't Ronnie. We're going to talk to Mickey Burke and uh, Mickey. Listen, you've been running around here since uh, since since I've seen you, and that was what three hours ago. You guys bring Hanalore and Atlanta into this race. How are they training up this week? Uh, they trained super. Um, they were both at you know top of their game last week, and uh, this week was no different. They just went through the week as like nothing. So I'm really excited to see how this race turns out. All right. Well, listen, good luck to you guys. And listen, take a deep breath. Will you? You're working too hard. Yeah, I think it will. <laughs> All right. Mickey Burke, the assistant trainer of the Ron Burke Racing Stable. Let's bring back uh, Ashley for a quick minute here. And, you know, one to five on Atlanta. I, I, I don't know. That's just it seems really short on her. Obviously, she's a Hamiltonian champion. She's a champion in her own right. But five to two looks like uh, almost a gift on Hanover. I mean, I think that's the better price. I'm a price player myself, and I mean, she's won this three times in a row now. She's going for the fourth. They're both very talented, but I'm going to go with five to two. She looked great when she came out, so that's where I'm going. Listen, you heard it from the uh, the self-professed uh, self-professed best over here from uh, from earlier. Garnet, what do you what do you think about what she said here? I think the the price play goes to a, or a handle or handover. Well, sure. I'm not looking I'm not looking to beat any of these two horses, these mares on top. I'm looking for value underneath, and I like the two Westland Dancer. Good at man. 57 to 1. I like the 8 PL Jill at 72 to 1. I like the 6 top expectations at 26 to 1. My play would be to try to beat a Motocon Hanover right out of the Super Effect at 9 to 1 from the far outside. And if you can beat her, you know, out of the Super, maybe you can get some good money. I'm not going to try and split hairs between these two great mares. I think they run 1 2. So I would play like a 3 4 with 3 4 with 2 6 8 with 2 6 8 Super for 12 bucks and hope to make 100. Now uh, now we're speaking Ashley's language. A little bit of price play, you know what I mean? Can't go with favorites all the time. Come on, man. No chalk here. Well, I, I threw the I threw the most logical horse out of third and fourth. I'm right. I'm, I'm not I'm trying to eliminate uh, chalk kind of. But Mike, I, I can't bet against those horses. Yeah, what, what I meant to say, guys, Emoticon Hanover was the horse that I actually wanted to mention, <laughs> but I looked out and saw Plunge Blue Chip. But the reason I say Emoticon Hanover, guys, is because this horse can really step up to the plate without warning. And a lot of people are going to see that elimination effort and just see kind of a, you know, just uh, an even 
trip from the inside last time in the elimination. But like I say, I mean, as long as they make it to the finals, I really don't put a whole lot of stock in elimination races. And I think this horse is going to be forwardly placed. Does scratch in, move in one position. You may not see, you may not think that that's important to go from 10 to 9, but actually it is, especially when your horse has to be forwardly placed. And, uh, you know, I think if any of the two, Atlanta or Hanover, Hanover trip up, I think Emoticon Hanover's got a shot to pull off an upset here. Mike, you got the uh, you got the schedule in front of you, I hope, right? I <laughs> that's on my list. Well, listen, I'm going to throw it to you. I got to go out to do the USTA interview. Garnet, Mike, it's all about you guys. Uh, can you mute us though when you're ready for us? Uh, turn us on, okay? All right, here we go, guys. Sorry, and there's an Amtrak brought to you by Amtrak, by the way, this broadcast. But uh, they're getting ready to come to the gate, and let's see. Right now, the countdown clock, and I'm going to be behind you guys probably a little bit, but the countdown clock right now is at zero seconds. So that means the horses are going to the starting gate. Uh, Atlanta just getting uh, blasted out the mutual windows right now. Uh, four, right now, two to five on the board. And, um, Obviously, the second favorite is Hanalore Hanover here, two to one, and uh, ten to one from the outside for Emoticon Hanover. Both numbers nine and eleven are scratch. We're down to a field of nine. Without further ado, let's take it upstairs. Here is the call, the fine track announcer, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Mister Ken Middleton. Now for the final of the Armbrough fight, holding is the two to five choice in here for Atlanta. It's post time for race number six. Field for the Armbrough Flight Final. Set for a start. And they're off, making speed off the gate. Top expectations from the extreme outside. Emoticon Hanover charging out hard for McClure. From the inside, Royal Witch emerging third. Handle or Hanover sizing them up early. Racing parked out from in fourth. Stable made Atlanta tracks her cover from in fifth. Sixth at the rail is Westland Dancer. Back to seventh is the Urm. Then off the speed from eighth is Highland Top Hill. Trailing early from in ninth is P.L. Jill. Quarter pole bound. Emoticon Hanover rushed out to grab the racetrack here. In the pocket spot, top expectations. Hanover Hanover continues to drive on the outside for Kaylee from in third now. That first post in 26 and 3. Back into fourth Royal Witch. And Atlanta took a turly tuck inside from in fifth. Westland Dancer sixth. The Irma seventh. Racing eighth is Highland Top Hill. And trailing from back in ninth is P.L. Jill. So Hanover Hanover makes the march to the front. Got stretched out to get there though. As Kaylee just finds the pylons with Hanover Hanover. And they're at the half in 54 and 1. They move into the far turn. Hanover Hanover with blazing speed on the front end. Back into second, Emoticon Hanover. Jing flips the switch on Atlanta. And here she comes, third outside. Now into second, and she's ranging right up alongside Hanover Hanover. So the three-time Armbrough Flight Stakes champ is under siege. And Atlanta blows right by. Atlanta strikes the front with a breathtaking turn of foot. She's opened up four, and she's at three quarters in 123. And they're into the stretch. And Atlanta's motored away to a five-length lead now. Second to the outside comes an upset-minded Westland dancer. Then it's back to Hanover. Hanover at the rail from in third, scooting up the cone's top expectations. Atlanta drifting and driving to the line. She's still clear by two. Westland dancer scooting up the inside to give her a late scare. But it's Atlanta. Atlanta in the Armbrough Flight Stakes, 150 and two track and Canadian record performance here tonight for Atlanta. 
How about that guy's track Canadian performance? A mark of 150 and two in that particular race for Atlanta. Handelor Hanover guys offered very little resistance to Atlanta's big move, but maybe to Handelor's defense was softened up a little bit by Emoticon Hanover, who got shuffled back. But a good call, Garnett, on a long shot. 69 to 1 Westland dancer for Hall of Famer Dave Miller, who is uh, going to make this exact the pay. And as a matter of fact, with uh, let's see, six finished third and ten finished fourth, with Handel or Hanover out of this, this could pay something, Garnett. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I said there was the two, six, and nine, eight that I wanted to use underneath, but uh, my account got locked, but I wasn't going to bet that exact combination, anyways. But like I said, this is how you. Uh, this is how you get payoffs in races like this. And, I mean, tell me why this two-horse should be 69-1. to one. I don't get it. She was a good fourth last week with a 26-2 and two kicker. I mean, that's kind of the hint that this horse is ready and live. And, uh, you know, she made a race of it at the end. Atlanta, Jingra had to ask Atlanta a little bit to keep his, you know, half-length advantage. But uh, what a performance, 150-2, and two, um, you know, softened up, not softened up. Uh, you got to think Jingra made the right choice here because she was phenomenal. You know, I'll tell you what, how good is she? I mean, is the question mark right now. And, and, uh, but like you said, she was driven and Wesleyan dancer was making some headway in the stretch. So Garnet, you have to wonder, you have to ask yourself if Wesleyan dancer was a little bit closer to the tempo, could she have upset this field? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, the 54 and one toll is going to take half's going to take its toll on the horses that are doing the work. Right. And Atlanta was, uh, she had to come first up shortly after that pace. So, I think, um, you know, the best horse definitely won, but uh, she definitely, she made a pretty good race out of it, though, in the stretch. There was a, you know, in my mind, there was a, there was a seed of doubt, maybe three quarters of the way down the stretch, but then a couple seconds later, you could see that Atlanta was going to hold her off, but uh, just a tremendous performance, 150 and two. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how fast this track is. I, I don't think the rain's slowing it down any, but uh, I think it's probably, you know, fair. I don't, I don't think the rain's speeding it up either. So that's a big mile. Now, for those uh, people just joining us, Garnet, uh, tell us uh, maybe a little bit about the weather conditions and what, most importantly, the weather is supposed to do as we get up uh, closer to uh, post time for the Pepsi North America Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it says uh, the the forecast says showers. Uh, that could mean anything. I mean, that could uh, that's like quick pick almost, right? So, uh, but it's been just kind of drizzly. I think there was one race where it really started coming down for a few minutes during the race. I think it was the third. And then it stopped. And right now it's just kind of drizzly off and on. So that's not so bad if it would stay like that. Obviously, you don't want to see it pour and get a sloppy track and poor conditions. Right now, the racing conditions are pretty good. You see Atlanta in the winner's circle. Um, you can see part of the horse. You can see most of her you know, her rear end there. She's not covered in mud or anything like that. So I think the, the rain that's come down so far, Mike, has kind of packed the track down, actually, when horses are warming up over it and stuff. There's not really a lot of, you know, it's not mud or anything like that flying up off it. So right now the conditions are decent. We just got to hope that uh, it's not going to pour at some point. And I guess it's safe to say that the track crew is on their A game today? It certainly looks like it. Uh, they've been out there working on it quite often. So uh, there she is, Atlanta in the winter circle. Crawford Farm, Grant, yep. Howard Taylor, and uh, I believe she is now – didn't she not just trot the fattest, fastest trotting mile in Canadian history? I think that was 50-3 and three before now. I do believe so. Yeah, so congratulations to the Connections of Atlanta. Ashley May is going to be in the winner's circle, and uh, she's making her post time with Mike and Mike debut. And, uh, of course, we're going to hear from Ace Barnsdale as well. He's going to be scouring the paddock for interviews. And the Ace really did a great job last uh, last time in his debut 
in the uh, in the Cambla Classic. And I know you kind of had your proud papa moment when you heard his first interview, and uh, Ace absolutely nailed it. So we're going to hear from him as well. First, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to hear from Ashley, maybe a little from Ace, and uh, the rest of the crew on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America's live coverage of the 2019 Pepsi North America Cup from Woodbine Mohawk Park. All right, and we're going to forego the uh, commercial break as the uh, studio is acting up. We'll try to get that rectified as soon as we can. Uh, Mike Bozich back here in the post time with Mike and Mike Studios. Let's take a look at the payoffs. Atlanta returns 250, 210, and 210. Wesleyan Dancer finished second, 1460, and 750. Number six top expectations finished third, returning. 490. What do you exact the $46.90? The trifecta for a dollar, $120.45. Winning super for a dollar, $438.25. The pick three returns 2025. And uh, Garnett, we're going to turn it back over to you on site. Uh, once again, some very good payoffs here with a $2.50 horse winning. You're getting $46 for an exacta. You're getting $120 for a trifecta. Sure, you had to be a little creative underneath, but nonetheless, you could certainly get paid if, uh, you know, with the chalks on top a lot of times. Yeah, you can. And we talk about that a lot, that um, you don't necessarily have to beat the chalk to make money. But if you uh, take a stand against one of them here and use logical horses, which I pointed out, the two and six were both logical to finish underneath, especially the two. You know, my play should have been, you know, three, four with the two maybe and hope to beat one of the two of them because the two is the horse that I like third best. And uh, I guess rightfully so at the end, she raced really big. All right, so Atlanta wins the Armbrough flight, and of course, coming up, uh, much more action, much more stakes action from uh, Woodbine Mohawk Barn. Taking a look, we do have a couple of, uh, we're getting a little bit of a reprieve from the stakes action, though, Garnett. We're going to have a couple of overnight races. Now, this is where, Garnett, you excel, because you know these horses. You write each and every uh, Woodbine Mohawk program for the uh, the daily racing form, and here you've got a pretty interesting field of 10 Coming up in race number seven, it does start another pick three. Exact, the trifecta, superfect, a lot of traditional wagers here. Who can we look for in this upcoming seventh race? Well, this is my uh, DRF harness spot play in this race. I, I really like Ideal Jet to, to uh, race big in this, in this field. I, I, just a little bit of, uh, you know, describe his racing style a little bit. He's had, he's had Jay Harris on him the last four times, and Jay Harris is a good driver. He drives a little bit at the B-tracks, a little bit here. He's pretty aggressive, um, but you'll notice five, six. Uh, if you look in the race uh, program, six starts back when Jody Jamison was on him, he opened a huge lead up with this horse, and this is the best way to drive uh, Ideal Jet. And now you're going from Jay Harris to Jingra. I'm sure uh, trainer Craig Bars, who I know very well, I'm sure is going to tell Yannick to roll this uh, roll this Jeremy's Jet horse off the gate. And um, don't be surprised if you see Ideal Jet up by six, seven lengths at the half just trying to exhaust the field. And um, the way the track's been playing, I think it's a strategy that'll work. Right now, he's 9-5. to five. I'm not crazy about his price. But, um, you know, I might single him starting a pick three here because I, I really have a strong feeling that Ideal Jet's going to the front here and he's never going to be headed. All right, Garnett, let's send it down to the winner's circle. Ashley, may you standing by with Mickey Burke. Uh, Ashley, take it away. Hey, guys, I'm with Mickey Burke. We just saw a mega mile from Atlanta, 152. Mickey, what'd you think? She raced super. Uh, she got a great trip, um, and Yannick was able to get it out of her, and uh, she couldn't have tried it any better. 
Now she's won four in a row, and she's progressed as a four-year-old. Do you think she's going to keep on rolling? We're hopeful. Um, you know, there's, they have a lot of high hopes for this mare. They, you know, there's discussions of going to Europe for a extended run next um, early next year, and uh, so she's got to show a lot over the next, you know, this year and see how she goes. So we're, you know, we're, we love her. I mean, so far, like Ryan said, she's a push button. She's, just, and I mean, I warmed her up, and she's the nicest thing to go out there. You go out there and tell her to go, and she goes. There you have it, guys. High hopes for Atlanta after this race. We'll see where we see her next. Where's your little? All right. How about that, Mike? Ashley gets the first one in the books and uh, sounds wonderful talking to uh, trainer Mickey Burke. Yeah, no question about it. Another one making their post time with Mike and Mike debut. And uh, we're going to have a chance to uh, hear a little bit about Ashley a little bit later on. A very interesting story. She was on the Preakness broadcast, and uh, she does have some harness background. So it's certainly a pleasure to have Ashley on our team. It's a pleasure to have Garnet and Ace on our team. I mean, we've got a really, really good team. We had to replace some people with Jessica to Rich Matei kind of uh, moving on to uh, bigger and better things. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm very, very happy with our crew here and uh, – you know, it's. I think it's going to supply for some very, very like I like I said on our uh, Facebook post, Mike. It's going to supply for some fresh insights <laughs> from fresh voices, and that's what we want. Well, Mike, uh, speaking of that interview, in-depth interview with Ashley, uh, we're going to go ahead and do that now. And Ashley, you just had your first interview, uh, winning trainer Mickey Burke. And listen, you you come from a thoroughbred background but you have a family that's worked in the harness racing industry. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, like I, like you mentioned, I'm pretty much really set into the thoroughbred world, but harness racing, I do have a passion for, I've been to about 15 tracks now, but my aunt, um, on my dad's side of the family, she was a groom for Alan and Jean Regal. And she got to, you know, groom some top notch horses, including the 97 hero Philly, uh, pace winner here when it was at Mohawk for the breeders crown, um, take flight. All right. Now tell us a little bit about what you do on the thoroughbred side. Obviously you have some broadcasting experience. Uh, you've got a regular day job as well. So you're, you're all over the place. Yeah, I actually work a full-time job in the banking industry. So I'm outside of horse racing, but you know, I wanted involvement. So on the weekends, um, I freelance for a couple of groups as well as I'm the analyst for 40 racetrack started that last season. So this is my second season being on their broadcast. And then because of that, I got an opportunity to do some work for the Stronic group. I went to Laurel in February and then my second, uh, gig for them was at the Preakness. I'll tell you, you know, Garnet, she seems like she's been all over the place and listen, she fits in with our group uh, pretty well. I, I would say so. Uh, Mike, she may join us to win the sprint home at the handball. Maybe she likes to bet a little. <laughs> yes, I definitely like to bet. So. Mike, Mike had to take off for a minute and restart his computer, but yeah, you, you'll talk a little bit about that. You told us uh, that you like to gamble a little bit, like to partake. Well, when I think about it, when I started as a kid, my dad would take me to the track on the weekends and I'd have an allowance. It started off as about two bucks a race. And then I kind of convinced him to give me $6 so I could bet three horse boxes in the Zassa. <laughs> and then I was, a, you know, for Kentucky Derby and bigger things, I had a bigger budget. And then from there, I really got interested in, you know, learning how to read the DRS, wanted to go to more tracks. And it was just kind of a hobby for my family. Every vacation we go, we try to cross off a new track on our bucket list. Now, you've been to how many racetracks? I believe Pimlico was 42. Holy smokes. Yeah, so I've crossed off two more this year. And hopefully uh, the Meadowlands will be my third new track in 2019. All right, Ashley. Well, listen, we're looking forward to hearing you throughout the rest of the night. We're going to talk about race number seven. It's a non-stakes event, and I'll tell you, we could potentially get some value here. We'll have to wait and see what happens. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. We'll be right back.
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike, are the Meadowlands racing season is just heating up with large fields, bigger purses, nightly promotions, and some of the greatest restaurants in New Jersey. There are plenty of places to catch all of the exciting action. First post on Friday and Saturday nights is 715. For more information and reservations, call 201-THE-BIG-M or visit PlayMeadowlands.com. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. The seventh race is coming up here at Woodbine Mohawk Park. And Garnet, I'll tell you, there is some value to be had in a couple of these races that are not stakes races here tonight. Yeah, look, in this race here, you got a two to one favorite, five to one next, seven to two next, seven to two next. It's like a uh the way you see betting in the old days. But um, my spot plays in this race, I, I love Ideal Jed here. It uh, goes to Janik Jingra. Um, this is a horse I know very well. He's got a big driver change here. The, this horse's best style is to roll and open up uh, open up leads. And he's taking a drop in class here. You know, I think um, I'd bet him at even money, so a two-to-one. I just <laughs> I just put a pretty big bet in a two-to-one. I really like this horse a lot. You know, this is a... Uh a really interesting race. I went four deep into this race. Uh, this race closes out the pick four sequence. I went to the one, three, six, and seven. One ASAP Hanover. I feel like we've seen in some stakes action early on in his career, though. ASAP. ASAP. Excuse as soon me. As, as soon as possible. As soon as possible, Hanover. ASAP, same thing. Same <laughs> are you, are thing. you live in this pick four? No, I'm not alive. I no, me either. Play it. Um, 
yeah, you know what? He uh, he took a drop down to non winners. This is this is why I don't understand why. Uh, I mean, ideal just dropping from uh, he was non winners at twenty five thousand two starts back, which is almost the preferred non winners eighteen thousand last five last start. These horses are climbing from non winners of five thousand. That's a huge class gap, um, but they're taking a lot of money. I mean, I think I you know I really think you're getting overlay on the favorite here. Uh, Greg Blanchard doesn't pick him in the top four. He's got seven six. Four one. I'm not sure uh, how you could leave Ideal Jet off the ticket here, but point to my grandson. The seven comes off a new life's mark, forty nine and four, taking it a lower class. Gets Dexter done, obviously a, ter- a terrific driver. So you got to consider him too. But uh, I'm I'm pretty much all in on the three here, Ideal Jet. Ideal Jet two to one currently on the board. The six Mongolian Hero was third, only missed three quarters of a length, had to make up a lot of ground. And uh, I'll tell you, the price is actually pretty uh, decent on Mongolian here. Yeah, I like him, too. Uh, I mean, he was uh, first over, didn't quit, uh, came home 26-4 and four against a, a stubborn leader. Uh, Cinnabar Dragon was my third pick. He's got an interesting piece of equipment around his neck, which I'm not sure what it is. But, um, yeah, he's uh, definitely got a shot. All right. We've got the myth and the legend, Casey Coleman, standing next to us. And so i got to tell you a funny story. So the rain came. And moved us in here, and I saw the saddle pad sitting there. I was telling Ashley, I said, I wonder who the heck this is. And we're flipping through programs, and all of a sudden, I see your stuff start to get hung there. Oh, oh my God, we're next to McWicked. So uh, we're, we're pretty excited about that. But uh, let's talk about the champ and how he's been uh, leading up to tonight's Mohawk Gold Cup. He's been real good. Uh, obviously, I wish I had a start under his belt. He uh, he raced about a month ago here. He couldn't have been any better. Um, I had a little bit of problems with his foot again after he won that race. He came in, his foot, his quarter crack was bleeding again after he won that start a month ago. So that's why you didn't see him for a few weeks. Um, I wanted to race here. He was entered the last couple weeks. Didn't feel the preferred. I trained him a big, big mile here last Saturday. Come a huge last quarter. He was awesome. So uh, everything seems good to go. You know, everything has seemed like it's been good to go since he came back from Florida, and he hasn't missed a step. Uh, obviously, a couple of years ago, you know, the talk of retiring him and things like that, he's just as sharp as ever now. Yeah, like I say, he, uh, he raced great his whole three-year-old season for me. His four-year-old year, we had an off year. I lost him for about a year and a half, and he's back now, and he, he's been just phenomenal. Like, he, uh, you couldn't ask for a better horse. All right, Casey, good luck in the Gold Cup. Thank you. All right, Casey Coleman, the trainer of Mick Wicked. Mike, to answer your question, no, we cannot get a race call because we've got a uh, we've got horses around us in the paddock. We're going to send it over to you for the seventh race if you've got it. Okay, I'm not sure that he's got it, so I'm going to call the race. What the heck? They're off and uh, pacing from the outside. Avalanche Hanover gets the first call from in between horses is a point to my grandson. Ideal Jet got away third, five and a half lengths off the lead. Then we come back to a bit of luck as they race around the first turn. ASAP Hanover is locked down at the inside as they head around that turn, and it's Avalanche Hanover who comes away with the lead by a long neck. Point to my grandson is trying to take over that top spot. Quarter time up, 27 and 1. Ideal Jets striding up on the outside now within a half length of the lead. So a lot of movement early. Avalanche Hanover races from the third position. Bit of luck races in fourth, about eight lengths off the lead. ASAP Hanover is locked down slightly at the inside by Mongolian Hero is first up. Then at the inside is he's a sensation. 
Racing next second over to the outside is Timo, a peacemaker. Then at the inside is Bill's Fella as they race up the backstretch. It's Ideal Jet on top. The lead is a length and three quarters. Point to my grandson. Two lengths away from Avalanche Hanover is in third, about six lengths off the lead. Trying to stride up at the outside is Mongolian Hero. Lockdown at the inside is Bit of Luck as they race on to three quarters. Halftime was 54 and 4, 27 and 3 as they approach three quarters. And it's Ideal Jet who has the lead. He's on top by a length and three quarters point to my grandson looks poised to strike from the pocket three quarters 122 they turn for home it's ideal jet who has the lead popping out of the pocket point to my grandson on the far outside avalanche Hanover trying to come up the inside is bit of luck from in between horses mongolian hero they're in deep stretch it's point to my grandson who comes on to take the lead and point to my grandson is going to draw off to win by as much as he pleases here point to my grandson to win avalanche Hanover at 33 to 1 with Second up the inside, bit of luck was third, 149 and four. Big mile for points to my grandson. Yeah, you know, well, he's, you, uh, he's, he's you always. You know what, Mike? You use it, by the way, Mike's using my call, by the way. He's, I just want to go on record that he just used my call right there. But now go ahead. Uh-huh. Well, that that went all wrong for me when Ideal Jet decided to start galloping as the, the starting gate came off the first turn. And I think uh, that pretty much cost him all hope. He got back on stride, but. Uh, he needs to make the front when the gate opens, and he couldn't do that. So that kind of threw a wrench into my plans. But point to my grandson, uh, two two wins in a row, both sub-150. This horse is on his game. And uh, another superb drive by Dexter Dunn, who hasn't missed a beat in North America, that's for sure. What do you mean I stole your race call? Come on, man. <laughs> as much as he pleases. I've been using that since the, before the, the Kennedy administration. Listen, I had to do something. I didn't know if you were there for Middleton's call, so he had to, uh, you know, he had to come up with something there. No, that's good. I appreciate it, buddy. That's uh, the, you did a very fine job, Mike. In all seriousness, uh, you know, we, we know that these broadcasts have a lot of times they've just been on the fly, and this one certainly has been. But nonetheless, uh, it was a very, very good job. Job well done. Uh- all right, let's pause 30 seconds for station identification. This is the Bet America Radio Network. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. All right, we're back on this edition of Poach Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Ashley Mayu, Garnett Barnsdale, Nick Ace Barnsdale. We've kind of broken away, Mike, from our schedule, but we're going to get back on, I promise. We're going to get back on. Uh, we're going to talk about the all-stakes pick four here in just a, a couple of minutes. Mike, uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun night so far, but it's been a lot of chalk thus far. Yeah, but you know what? We've talked about it. Uh, we talked about it the very last race about the long shots running second, and here we've got another one—a thirty-three to one shot coming behind seven point to my grandson. And you know, really, this race kind of revolved around two horses: the three that Garnet was talking about and the seven. And once again, if you could find that live long shot, kind of like the last race with Wesleyan Dancer, if you can find that live long shot underneath. And Mike, I know you've said this a, a hundreds and hundreds of times on social media when we've had our conversations. You can make money with favorites on top. Listen, our girl Ashley Mayu over here, she she's cashing here, man. Listen, she's got the super about ten times, okay? 
But she, she in all seriousness, she is cashing. So uh, listen, Ashley's got the Ashley's got the play here. You know, Avalanche Hanover uh, was a horse she liked. Uh, tell us what you liked about him, Ashley. Well, he was one of the few that was racing at this level most recently here at Woodbine Mohawk. And, you know, if you look at the most recent race, had the nine hole twice in a row, had a fourth place finish and a sixth place finish, only beaten by two and a half and two lengths. And something interesting about this one, he has made the lead before and has won. So I just like his versatile running style. Man. Uh, well, you know what? You can't argue with that, Hunji. He's just shaking his head. <laughs> just shaking his head. Can't, can't argue with that. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's awesome. Imagine, imagine, just for a second, that the seven breaks or something, and it comes in four eight. She's taking the racetrack home in a Brinks truck with that forty-eight to one shot on top. I know, man. It would have been, uh, it would have been something else. But this super uh, is going to pay huge. Super is going to pay nice, huh, Mike? Yeah, Excellent. absolutely. And how about, how about uh, Chantel Mitchell? For a buck. How about that? Yeah, wow, that's good. And how about Chantel Mitchell, trainer of seven, <laughs> going to my grandson? And guys. How cool would it be? What a great story it would be if Chantel Mitchell wins the Pepsi North America Cup tonight after what happened to her and her stable a couple of years ago in the barn fire. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, that would be an amazing story. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing, G, how they came back from that barn fire, you know, and how, where they're at today, obviously. Uh, she's the second trainer for Chris Ryder and, you know, they, they've really done a great job getting that barn back together, putting stuff back together. The resiliency of, uh, of this uh, people in this um, industry is amazing. I mean, there's others. Ben Wallace pretty much lost everything. He bounced back. Roger Mayotte, same thing with a barn fire. Um, most recently, the Stacy barn. Uh, and they're, you know, they're doing very well here. So, yeah, you never want to see that happen to anybody, obviously. That goes without saying. But um, it's amazing how they, uh, you know, they just manage to keep going and put their heads down and bounce back. It says a lot for the people of the industry, for sure. All right. We are going to start the discussion between the three of us of the all-stakes pick four. This is a pick four that uh, we've all kind of looked at together, uh, Mike, before we came on the program. And, you know, th- this is a really tough scenario, uh, if you ask me, guys, because it's either going to be very chalky um, or there could be a few price plays, but I, you know, I, I don't know. So let, let's kind of go race by race. We'll start with the ninth race, the Mohawk gold cup and McWicked seems to be the horse to beat. I know that I singled McWicked Garnet singled McWicked. I think Ashley singled McWicked as well. No, uh, she has, excuse me, too deep here. She also used the eight think big dream big. I guess she put my glasses on so I could see, um, for Nancy Johansson and G we'll start with you. Uh, McWicked looks uh, like he's going to be tough to beat here. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough for me to to take a stand against him. I mean, he looked like uh, halfway down the lane, it looked like Sindra had him beat in the season opener. He just kicks into a gear that you've almost never seen halfway down the lane and uh, comes 26 flat. Um, Sindra got a good jump on him. Uh, It's tough. I mean, Jimmy Freight started out well for his four-year-old season. He hasn't won one yet. He's been right in every one, racing gamely. Um, who else do we got here? Like, I, I mean, I think if anybody knocks him off, and maybe Jimmy Freak gets the jump on him, but I, I got a single Mick Wicked in this pick four as much as I don't want to. All right, we are going to go to our man Nick Ace Barnsdale as soon as he uh, he's looks like he's ready to call in. Uh, we want to bring him up live as he's got Benoit Bayarjan here in the paddock at Woodbine Mohawk Park. Yeah, I'm here with Benoit Bayarjan. He's uh, he's got Tiger Hanover in the NA Cup. We must speak French because you pronounce my name with no ac- no accent. Really, eh? Yeah, I um, did well. Here, that guy's high praise. High praise to Mr. Byersdon himself. Sir, uh, you've got Tiger Hanover in the NA Cup. Tell me a little bit about the horse. Did you know at any point the horse was special, or just go along with it? 
Well, last year we thought he was a nice cold, but uh, we had problems. With, he was battling sickness and allergy all the time. So we shut him down pretty early while he was still in Aiden. We brought him back to the race this year. Well, we didn't really know we were going to be in the North America Cup, but uh, there we are. He beat the Maiden. He beat the Norner, too. And uh, there's some beat somewhere he won. He, he beat some nice horse, so I said, let's give it a shot. He's a, he's a very handy horse, so Sylvain will be able to work out any kind of trip he wants with him. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're, uh, you're a Mohawk regular, and... Uh, You've, you've, you've been in a few big races before. Do you do anything special before a big stakes race like this or just a normal schedule? No. You know, like, this horse, I've been training this horse maybe a little harder, like Grand Circuit type horse. You know, you have to go top speed. They got to they gotta, they gotta carry their speed all the time. So I must have trained this horse maybe a little harder last quarter mile since in the last month or so. But, uh, no, the main thing is to keep them healthy, uh, good humor, you know, so they have a good attitude, and that's about it. Uh, you've got uh, Sylvan Philly on board. Can you give us a little insight into the strategy? I promise we won't tell your opponent. I have no idea. I leave that to Sylvan behind the gate. All right, Sylvain, then. I think Sylvan is the best driver around here this year. He always was good, but right now he does everything he does. It's good. He certainly is always on top of the leaderboard. The best out there. Benoit, thanks so much for your time. Good luck in the NA Cup, sir. No problem. All right, guys, back to you. All right, our man Nick Ace Barnsdale. And listen, the pride, the, the true blood of the Barnsdale, I know you got to be proud of him. You know what makes me most proud is um, it's something that I haven't taught him or instilled. He calls people sir a lot. And I think that says a lot for uh, just his own character because I never taught him that. I don't tell him to do it. He doesn't call me sir, but that's okay. Don't but, worry, uh, I wouldn't call you sir either. I think I know <laughs> not many people do, but I, I think that's very impressive, and you did a really good job there. Thank you very much for that interview. All right. We're going to jump back to the All-Stakes pick four. Ashley, you're up next. Uh, McWicked and Think Big, Dream Big. Uh, this is an interesting race. You know, McWicked's only got one start this year, and it was very impressive, the mile in 149-4. and four. I mean, we all think he's the one to beat, and he should be very tough in here. Just try to find a little bit of a price with Think Big, Dream Big. You know, two starts ago, he was here at Woodvine and ran very nicely with second just by a head. I really liked the trip in there, and he beat Jimmy Freight that day. So, you know, that time was good, 150-1. and one. Post position, I'm not too concerned about. You know, he's drawn the 10 before. You know, that was at a different track, but he did run third there. Mike? Well, she brings up a good point about Think Big, Dream Big. I mean, he went, uh, if you look at that last race in that third quarter, he went uh, 25 and 3. Actually, 25 and 2 to that third quarter. That's an unbelievable third quarter uncovered. And, you know, he had every right to tire. But l- let's be honest, guys. I mean, you know, I think all of these horses in this race are going to have to pick up their game tremendously to beat McWicked. And, you know, I think maybe you just single him and just try for value somewhere else. I think McWicked is the man. And, and, uh, I think that's just well, just the way it has to be. I mean, from a wagering point of view, I think he's a single. Hey, hey, Mike, what ha- what happened to the wall a couple weeks ago? Listen, you were all over the wall, and now you're you're jumping ship. What, what's going on here? Well, he had no striking position last time, and none better's won like 300 races in a row, and and it, it's all about striking position. I mean, he's you know he grinded in the cam luck. Um, you know, he grinded against Rock and Speed and Rock and Ron, but now he's got to grind against McWicked. So, uh, you know, I mean, underneath, yeah, well, for, listen, for under underneath purposes, maybe you could put the wall second or third, but uh, I think McWicked's got no problem smashing through the wall here tonight. 
<laughs> all right. Race number 10 is the Fan Hanover final. And looking at all of our uh, pick four tickets, this was the race that we that we pretty much this was the spread race for a majority of us. Um, I went four deep in this race. I'm one, three, four and five. Obviously, Warwee, you Butte, Ashley is probably the racehorse to beat. But uh, you're, you're giving me that look. So uh, what, what do you think here? I think it's between Warrior Butte and Treacherous Moraine. I mean, they're both three for three on the year, and they've run some big miles. I tried to go for a price in here. I don't think anyone's really going to agree with me, but I looked at the nine Stonebridge Soul. I mean, this you have to realize, of course, was third to Warrior Butte and second. I just think, you know, the post position is a concern, but she's had some wider posts in the past and has run very strong. You're right. Nobody's going to agree with you. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, you watch, if you watch the replays, which we all should, um, this Philly treacherous rain was a handful at the wire last week in 26 and three. She looked to me like she had another second in her pocket. So I like her to upset war. We you beaut. I'm using her too. Um, those two, I'm not getting crazy with any kind of, uh, you know what? Stonebridge soul might be a good one to use underneath. I, I can't see her from the nine hole beating those two bears. Mike. I agree. Garnet, uh, like you say, if you watch replays, Treacherous Rain was just a handful coming to the wire at 150, and you have to think by that finish that she's got a lot more to offer. You know, um, I mean, War We You Butte is the champ. I mean, she, you know, she was the best two-year-old filly, and she started off uh, her year perfect three for three, but I do think Treacherous Rain uh, can take the step forward and get the job done. She had a chance to see her at Harris Philly in her seasonal debut, and it was much of the same. I mean, she was under wraps, 52-3 and three against the likes of Stonebridge Souls, so I think Treacherous Rain's got a big, big shot. I think you have to use War where you butte another. Maybe that can come forward as tall drink Hanover. I mean, she's making her third start of the year. I do like in their third or fourth start of the year because that's when I think they're, you know, they, they kind of peak in their form cycle if the, you know, first and second starts kind of pointed to that. So she does have to step forward, but she's in a position to get a trip, and maybe she can take it away if uh, War where you butte and Treacherous Rain don't bring their A games. She loves this track. Eh? She won a, I, I don't remember what race it was like here last year. Maybe the, she's a great lady, but she was phenomenal over this track last year, which you can't see that on the form uh, on our program. So that's something to think about, too. All right. The 11th race is the 36th renewal of the Pepsi North America Cup. Guys, Mark McKelvey made a comment earlier. 35 years in a row, it's raced over a fast track. Listen, so they're, not, they're not going to let that go down. The track's still listed as fast with as much rain as we've it gotten. Fast, Garnet, I was gonna, just going to ask you, with as much rain as we've gotten, it still hasn't changed, I don't I, think. Well, I think it's just packing it down because it's not. it hasn't really poured. It's just kind of drizzled. There was one race where it rained for a couple of minutes during the race. I think they're just kind of packing it down as they're going over. As you can see, you were watching uh, uh, Tall, Tall Drink, Talbot Creek's whiskey here warm up. If you watch him now pick up his feet, you don't see anything coming off the track. So the track is definitely still fast, even though there's two horse here. I mean, the, the track is fast. It depends how much more rain we're going to get before post time. Hopefully none. All right, the 36 Pepsi North America Cup. And, guys, to me anyway, I, I think you two handicapped together because you guys went all three the same with the exception of the eight, who you like, Captain Crunch, a little bit. Uh, I like the two, De Los Cielos, Deo, uh, the three betters wish, and then, of course, working on a mystery. But, Ashley, this, this is a pretty wide open event. I found this very tough. I actually went four deep in here, and I also tossed in uh, working on a mystery and Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch was my top selection. I mean, the elimination was kind of ugly, to be honest. Uh, I kind of spooked in the first turn and just went off stride. He never settled nicely after that. So I think he's, you know, preparing to rebound very great in here. I mean, he's the two-year-old champion pacer. I just expect a big run from him. With him being so classy, I'm not concerned with the post position. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to go four deep, actually. Uh, I probably only have three on my ticket there, but I'm going to use uh, De Los Cielos Day was my top pick. You didn't mess Work, it up. Good job. Working on a mystery is my second pick. Captain Victorious, who I have a little bit of insight on, that was uh, sick and is now cured. And I think I'm going to use Better's Wish because it was pointed out um, by somebody, on, I think, on the DRF website um, that this horse made three moves last week. And you can see he left in 26-2. and two. He, he obviously made a retake because if you're second by a quarter length at the half, that means you're being overtaken. And then he went a 26-3 and three third quarter and 26-1. So this horse went three out of four quarters, sub-27, which I think is uh, important to note. He's handy. If he gets any kind of a trip, he's going to be there. So I'll go two, three, four, five in this leg. Oh, man. I used a couple of different horses. The five, Captain Victorious, is a horse that I really like, too. De Los Cielos Deo. Uh, as uh, Ashley pointed out, uh, the five, Captain Victorious, had some ulcer issues. Uh, Ashley actually wrote me a little note and just to make sure. So, uh, you know, listen, we know she pays attention because, well, you know, she uh, she's writing this stuff down. But, Mike, uh, Captain Victorious, if you're looking for a price play, I think you might be able to get it. You won't get 61 to 1. I wish that I would have had 61 to 1 last week, though. Yeah, you know, the way I'm going to look at this race, guys, is I'm going to look for horses that we have no idea where their ceiling is. We have no idea where Better's Wishes ceiling is. We have no idea where working on a mystery ceiling is because these were, quite frankly, easy wins. So um, I'm, I think you have to use those two. I'm going to leave Delo Cielo Steo out because I just think this last quarter fad is getting out of control. I mean, everybody's pacing, it seems, 25 in their last quarter. So I'm not impressed by last quarters is, is – maybe the, the next handicapper. Um, and I'm going to use Captain Crunch because back on the 26th at Harris, I mean, that was a 49 and two that in my opinion could have went much faster. Ziron never asked her for anything obvi- and asked him for anything. And obviously he has had, uh, he had a, a terrible trip in the elimination, but was able to show some heart. And uh, so I think you have to give him another chance. So uh, I'm with uh, three, four, eight in that, uh, in that race. Now, Ashley, we talked to Brian Brown a little bit earlier. I'll let you talk about the five as well. And he said, that it seemed like working on a mystery uh, was better after uh, last week. Yeah, but, you know, the elimination was impressive out of them, though. You know, you had to go with Better's Wish or working on a mystery. But I only used working on a mystery, and then I turned to Captain Victorious, like we mentioned, had ulcers, and I thought the price would be right. 12-1, to 1, I still think he might actually take a little bit more play. I'm thinking 9-1, to 10-1 to 1 in his price perspective. But I, this could be chalky, or maybe he'll sneak in there at a price. All right, we're going to forego race number eight. Race number eight coming up in about 35 seconds. It's a field of seven currently going to the gate again. We're going to forego that and continue to talk about this all-stakes pick four. Ray Catolo is in the on-deck circle. Twelfth race, roses are red. Final, Sharton, guys, four to five. And, Mike, we'll let you start with this one. Four to five on the morning line. It's going to be tough to beat her, but, Mike, you've seen Caviar Alley come up to her a couple of times. You know, that was one of the greatest races, not only that I ever had a chance to call, but that I ever had a chance to see in that Betsy Ross. And, you know, we talk about it all the time, about athletes leaving it all out on the court or leaving it all out on the field. And uh, Caviar Alley and Sharton left it all out on the racetrack in that particular race. They put on quite a show. And, and, you know, and I wrote for the program that particular day that it's always tempting to beat Sharton because it is such a deep group of mare pacers, such a talented group. But you know what? It rarely happens with that being said. So, uh, you know, I mean, as much as I would like to look for some value here, I just think Sharpton is is, uh, too good for this group. But, however, I'm going to throw a couple of more in. I am going to throw Caviar Alley in because, uh, you know, she fought so, so gamely uh, in that particular race in the Betsy Ross. And uh, 
does not bring her a game. gets the job done. And maybe Tequila Monday. I yes. In that race, two starts back, guys, at Harris, she did. She looked like, to me, she wasn't taken to the track all that well. She kind of looked like she was slipping a little bit in that three-hole. And, and uh, even towards the end of that race, she started to get her groove back and started to make some headway. So I'm just going to hope that's the case and that she's a little bit better. I think she's a, a, a obviously a, a little bit behind Caviar Dally and Sharton uh, right now at this point in time. But if either one of those two slip up and Tequila Monday get a trip, it would not surprise me if she was able to win this race. So I'm going to go one, two, four here. Yeah, I singled in here. I thought Sharton was the horse to beat. I didn't see, you know, this leg of the sequence paying anything. So I think maybe in the exotics you could get a price. You mentioned Tequila Monday. I also looked at, uh, excuse me, Cecil Joy. And I just thought the horse has run well from the outside. Finished fourth in the uh, elimination here last week. And I thought the price would be right. But, I mean, I had to single here. I don't think anyone can beat Sharton. Yeah, I singled Sharton initially. But uh, the more <clears throat> the more I think about this race, the more I think, uh, trying to look at the shape of the race. It's going to start out, I think by the quarter, this is going to be running 4-2-1. Now, if you try and develop how the race might go, if Caviar Alley pops the pocket, say, going around the last turn, and they get into a bit of a duel, this Tequila Monday might slide by them both late. So I'm going to add her at a 10-1 to in the morning line. If you can get her down uh, in the last leg of a pick four, you know, even if you bet a smaller ticket, you're going to get a huge payoff. So I'm going to go Tequila Monday and Sharton. Yeah, I like Sharton in this spot. Uh, she's won seven of eight this year, only missed the board one time. She's been absolutely flawless. And I also used the two, Caviar Alley. Uh, Caviar Alley, uh, you know, listen, she's been contending with Sharton all night, or excuse me, all, throughout the season. And Caviar Alley has been uh, nothing short of great as well, even though uh, she's finished uh, second to Sharton over a couple of excuse me, over a couple of starts. She did win the Rainbow Blue three starts back over You Are My Candy Girl as that race just went in one fifty one and one. Uh the twelfth race concludes the all stakes pick four and Guys, pretty pretty chalky sequence. I think we all could agree there. Uh, I went uh, two with one three four five with two five with two four four dollars for me. Uh, oh man, there's so many pages in this program. <laughs> I got it right here if you want it. It's right right there for you. Yeah, but I changed it up a bit, man. Uh, here we go. We'll let Ashley give hers then. Yeah, I think it's probably a good idea. Yeah, I went 2-8 with a 3-4-9 with a 2-4-5-8, and I singled Charton in the last for a 480 ticket. I, I think for me, I'll play the exotics, though. Mike? I go 2 with 3-4 with 3-4-8 uh, with 1-2-4. And uh, once again, I just wanted to – reiterate and you know people do have access uh, pretty much to replays whether no matter where they're listening to it if it's on the phone or if they're at home listening uh pull up that replay back on the 26th at harris philly with tequila monday and just kind of watch her feet around that last turn i'm telling you i think that that she just wasn't taken to the racetrack that day and that could explain that loss and keep in mind that's her only loss of 2019 got it all right i go uh, two with three four with two three four five with one four. So I'm going to add a couple horses here. Go $16. I'll probably play that ticket. All right. We've got by the table, the young Jedi, Mr. Ray Catolo himself. And Ray, listen, uh, you you come from North American Harness Update. You uh, write press releases for the Hamiltonian Society. You do handicap it. You do it all. But uh, tell us what you're doing here, man. Uh, well, for one, I'm not juggling or I'm not on stilts or anything like that. Because if, if you guys remember a couple of years of the Breeders' Crown, they had those guys juggling knives yeah. on, on the stilts. Yeah. Of your heads, I never felt more at home, in all honesty. <laughs> uh, but 
No, I'm here tonight. I, it was originally supposed to be a vacation. I've never been to a North America Cup, and it seems like I came to perhaps one of the best editions because I, I don't see a clear-cut winner. Well, I do see a clear-cut winner, but on the tote, is not going to be clear at all. All right, let's hear who you like in the Pepsi North America Cup then. Oh, I, I mean, you don't have to put me on the spot there. All right. Well, <laughs> the first thing I want to ask is, uh, did, did either of you or anyone get to talk to Brian Brown about working on a mystery, how oh, he yeah. come up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what exactly did he say? How, how's the horse so, doing? A- a- Ashley might have to help me out, but I think uh, pretty, pretty good. You know, he was happy with how the horse shipped, and he thinks that the horse scoped uh, clear. Oh, well, I, I mean, if that's the case, the horse seems like he's going to be pretty well. Oh, J- I'm getting one up by Jason Portwando oh, over here. <laughs> As he walks by. The Jason Portwando. Or as he's also known, the J-Man, the Portster, the Portmeister. <laughs> but the point I'm getting to is I, I've never heard him called that Garnsdale ever. Garnsdale. In the cup, though, there was only one horse that impressed me in the eliminations. Okay. Who's just, that? Vi- just visually and how handily the horse raced, Captain Victorious to me seems like the most versatile horse in the North America Cup. All right. Well, you heard it from the young Jedi himself. Uh, what else you got going on? Anything else that we need uh, to know about? What else I got going on? Uh, after the races, I'll be selling bottles of tequila out of my car. <laughs> no, I, won't, I won't be doing it's, it's, not, it's not coming to that point just yet. I got plenty of work lined up. Uh, I'm going to be here for the rest of the racing weekend. I'm currently helping out Mark McKelvey with the uh, communications over here. Uh, North American Arts Update, we had our show last night. We're doing a show later this month at the Poconos, which I... You, are you guys going to be there by chance? I, I am not. Oh, you're We're not going to be, be there. Okay. So I have to listen to your show then. Well, yeah, that, that was kind of part of the plan. We tried to pick all the shows that you weren't going to be at, <laughs> and then the shows you are going to be at will just bring sharp objects. Yes, exactly. You understand, you understand our philosophy. Um, but aside from that, the North American Cup, a great race. I think the Roses of Red might be a bit interesting too later on because I heard you, Garnsdale, talking about if Caviar Alley and Sharton go at it. But I don't think Tequila Monday is the horse that would capitalize because the Kings have another closer in that race, Better Joy, who could just be sitting in the right place at the right time. That horse is always kicking home, finished second to Sharn in the blue chip matchmaker, kicked home in 25 and change in that elimination to finish fifth. Oh, not in the elimination, the prep to finish fifth. To me, seems like if the pace sets up that way, King could win with the wrong horse there. All right. Well, listen, Ray, thanks so much. Quick, listen. Quick plug. Yes. Yeah, give you guys a plug. Uh, okay, yes. So uh, my album is available on the that, – not that plug. Not Go that. ahead. You tell us about that. Uh, yeah, okay, album. well, no, you can just, just Google my name, and you can find – also, uh, can you please quiet down? I'm talking. <laughs> there's, there's, there are voices above me right now talking, and they aren't Derek Givner, but Anthony McDonald and Jonathan Drury have to report somewhere from what I could discern. Uh, North American Arts Update, Fridays from 9 on 148.ca backslash 1 and on our site, nowpicks.com. We have racing analysis every race day from the Meadowlands, Mohawk Park, Western Fair when they're open, and running aces. Uh, but Mr. Givner is just, he's staring me down. Derek went to the World Harness Handicapping Championship and only came back with his jacket. Derek didn't win the World Harness Handicapping Championship. Yeah, but he got a jacket. It's worth more. and some other guys, it cost 1300 Anyways, all right, we're going to take a quick commercial timeout. Mike has something when we come back. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America.
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. edition of Host Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Vet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, Ashley Mayu, Garnett Barnsdale, the ace Barnsdale. Don't forget you can bet this all stakes pick four with our sponsor, Bet America, by visiting www.betamerica.com. Lots of great promotions going on at Bet America where you can play the all-stakes pick four. Ashley, we're six minutes away from tonight's ninth race. It is the Mohawk Gold Cup. No surprise here, McWicked at one to five. Now I could see him even going down from here. I, you know, could get one to nine. Maybe he'll stay here. See the five and the eight are also taking some blades, both sitting as, you know, second choice at seven to one. And then everything else is, I mean, it's a huge price. So I think if you can maybe get a price for second and third, you know, you'll at least make your money back and then some. Yeah, Garnet Ashley's play, the eight, think big, dream big, taking a little bit of play. But the five, Nirvana Sealster is taking some play. You know this horse better than the rest of us. Are you surprised? Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, he's capable of, uh, as you can see last year, 48 and one mile on his best day. But uh, last year, uh, Jimmy Freight raced against him as a three-year-old and had no problem handling him. Uh, let's see, where, what's in the win pool here? There's $965 to win on Nirvana, <laughs> which makes me think, Somebody really liked this horse and dropped four or five hundred to win on him because he should really be when this race goes, he should probably be twenty five to one in this race. Mike, is this one of those the no horses? Well, it could be. It could be. <laughs> I'm I, I take take it away, Mike. Hold on a second. Uh oh, we must we must be sponsored by Amtrak again. Here comes look, the train. Look at the pick uh, the pick three on the five horses nine hundred seventy seven dollars compared to twelve bucks for the two. So the odds are just a little bit out of whack a little there. Little skewed. Um, when you 
you know, when you look at that. It's kind of interesting. The three, Jimmy Freight, currently at 16-1. to one. Jimmy Freight, uh, probably just as consistent as some of the older horses. But, guys, the four-year-old, it takes a lot to mature as a four-year-old to face some of these older horses, right, G? It does. But you know what? Uh, this is one of the more consistent horses of the recent years. Jimmy Freight has 26 starts, 11 wins, 8 seconds, 5 thirds, and 2 fourths. So, in, in 26 starts, he hasn't finished worse than fourth. Once was in the Meadowlands pace. And uh, once was this year in the Confederation Cup elimination where he, he got used up pretty hard early. So, um, you know, is he going to beat McWicket? I, I don't know. But uh, Jimmy Freight, I think, is almost a lock to be in the money. All right. Listen, your uh, your your protege is, uh, is is working his butt off. He's got trainer Brian Brown who trains working on a mystery, the Pepsi North America Cup. Ace, take it away. I'm here with Brian Brown in the paddock. He's got one of the favorites, the Pepsi North America Cup. Working on a mystery. Brian, just got to ask you, can you give us a little insight into the strategy you might be going with here? Promise we won't tell your opponent. Uh, no, I, really, I don't know. This is all Timmy's job. I have nothing that I didn't even pick the position. I, all this is Timmy's job. I do not tell him anything. He decides on his own. You're undefeated this year with this horse. Did you notice anything different? Obviously, it was great as a two-year-old as well, but did you notice anything different coming into three-year-old year, or did you just carry on training as you normally would? Mainly normally as we had. He he did not grow a lot. He grew a little taller. He put He's actually put on more weight in the last month than he did over the winter. Uh, he's just a nice horse. He tries his heart out every time. He's had one bad start in his life. Uh, I think we're coming in better than I came in last week without even knowing it, but he had a lot of allergy mucus last week. We've really treated him. He was in an oxygen chamber. I think the horse should be better this week than he was last week. All right, and if and if so, it seems likely that he could take it all. Do you think so? I think he has a very good chance. There's uh, four or five other horses in here that all could win. I think it's going to come down to a lot of, of the trip, who's in the right place at the right time, uh, I, you know, I see horses from the outside leaving. I see one from the inside. The rail horse is going to protect his position. That's his best hope. Uh, I, I think there's going to be speed in the race. I'm hoping we're no more than third over. I uh, hope we're not parked the whole way, but I don't know how it's going to work out. I, I leave that to Timmy. And lastly, there's a lot of people on the apron and in the, and in the stands here for the NA Cup, even though despite a little drizzle, uh, how do you think? What do you think about the job that was done by the Woodbine Mohawk Park crew? Well, they they do a hell of a job right from the press conference on. That's why I drove all the way up here. To, they put on a million dollar race. Uh, they're trying to help us, so I thought it was my job to you know be here to support my horse and uh, support them, the the track and the just the country, the industry up here itself. You know to put up all this money, give us a chance to go for that. We should support them. So it, Mo, Mohawk does a great job every night that I'm here. Brian, thanks so much for your time. Good luck in the race. Thank you very much. Guys, back to you. All right. Well, uh, real quick, Ashley uh, is new to the broadcast team, so we're going to let her jump into the post parade with the three of us. Uh, we can do it like kind of like the Derby does. We kind of go over each horse and uh, talk about them a little bit. Let's start with the one easy lover. Hanover is owned by a Brad Grant. Ben Wallace is the trainer. Ben Wallace was involved in that barn fire uh, not that long ago. How awesome would it be if easy lover Hanover could win 64-1 to from the rail? 
And we have the two McWicked, the reigning horse of the year in the U.S. and Canada, comes off a win here on the 18th of May. We haven't seen him in a while, but everyone loves him at 1-5. to five. Three, Jimmy Freight, the fastest son of sports writer, owned by my good friend Adriano Sorella, trained by Richard Moreau, driven by Louis Philippe Waugh. Jimmy Freight gives his all every time out, and uh, he's, like I said, he's only been fourth twice, never missed the board otherwise. Got to be on your tractor tickets. Number four is Mike's pick, The Wall. No, I'm just kidding. The Wall uh, was fourth in the Battle of Lake Erie at Northfield Park after winning the Cam Luck Classic, having to come wide off the turn for trainer Nick Surick, currently sitting at 22-1, to 1, going to be tough here. The five Nirvana Sealster, currently sitting at 15-1 to 1 on the tote. Driver Trevor Henry, trainer William Budd, has one win this year in a mile and 151, and that was here at Woodbine. Six American Virgin, owned by prominent owner Brad Grant, trained by Richard Moreau, driven by Jody, Jody Jameson. Uh, not not the greatest year for him, but he's won three times, made 63000 Probably looking to get a check here. All right. Number seven, physically inclined, is trained by a Canadian trainer, Carmen Ossiello. Jonathan Drury picks up the drive, has won two straight against Condition Company. It's going to be a really tough for physically inclined here, but 43-1, to one, and, and I think he could – potentially stick around uh sneak around on the ticket uh he's been third he's been fourth he's been fifth so uh look out for him underneath the horse that i also used on my ticket is the eight think big dream big scotty zeron's in the sulky trainer is nancy johansson has one win this year and has picked up some minor shares and we'll see what he can do in here currently sitting at nine to two filibuster hanover goes from the nine hole uh, for team burke yannick jingra I, I think he's got a shot filibuster hanover to fill one of the spots maybe at the bottom of the super or the try two fifths in a row um, he's going to be closing late. He had a tremendous season last year. This is only his fifth start back. Filibuster Hanover at 46-1 to 1 is one to consider maybe to put on the bottom of your Superfecta here. All right, guys. Well, Mike, you're seeing the TV monitors just like we are. The three Jimmy Freight looks awesome on the racetrack. Currently sitting at 9-1. to one. Listen, you're biased. That's why I don't ask you. Okay? Listen, your friend owns them, so that's why I say you're biased. Uh, there's number four, the wall, Mike. Does he look as sharp as he did a couple of weeks ago? Um, yeah, actually, I think he does. I think his race in the Battle of Lake Erie was uh, just strictly striking position. I mean, if he had better striking position, I think this horse could have raced better. I mean, he closed home at 27-2. to two. You can't really do any more than that. Um, you know, I, I think he's in a position to get in that cover flow. Joe Bongiorno won with this horse in the Camla Classic. Uh, you know, we talked about a Camla Classic day, how he just races hard out in the Commodore Barry. is one of the most impressive efforts I've seen by any horse this year. So, you know, I mean, uh, my play here is going to be two for all, two all four in a try. Ashley, it's an interesting play, huh? Yeah, we talked about Jimmy Freight earlier, you know, turning over as a four-year-old. Can he continue to progress? He's winless. Another horse that's winless on the year who has a ton of backlash is Filibuster Hanover. Let's not forget the wins he's had. Little Brown Jug, the Confederation Cup, and the Commodore Barry. I mean, the class is there. It just doesn't seem like he's having an ideal five-year-old season. Boy, I'll tell you what, you did your homework on these horses. That's that. Listen, she's bringing the facts. How do you like that? You should get a, you should get a new job as an HR person because you couldn't have get a, gotten a better hire, I don't think. Mike, I'll tell you what, uh, maybe I'll be an HR for Maybe I'll quit after today. Either that or you could be her agent. Oh, man. All right. We're looking at Yannick Jingra currently um, sitting behind Filibuster Hanover. Ashley, now you, you've used Filibuster Hanover. You like Filibuster Hanover. Tell us exactly why you like this horse. Obviously, there's a lot of back class involved, but he, he's kind of been off the off the radar the last uh, couple of starts. I don't think he's gotten the best of trips. He has drawn outside and you know in his last two, and he'll do it again today. But, you know, three back – 
he ran a decent race. He was second and, you know, he was, you know, leading for a while and just couldn't get the job done. He fell as the favorite there. I just thought in here, depending what goes on early and what position he grabs, he can get a minor share. Do I think he can win? No, I don't think he's the same, you know, three and four year old, but he does have the class. And whenever I handicap races, that's a huge factor. Gee, what do you think here, man? I think uh, Jimmy Freight looks awfully good. So if he's uh, if they're halfway down the lane, he looks like he's going to win. You got to get out of the way. I got to go to the winner's circle. Listen, H- Henry misses me apparently. Oh, look at Henry. Look at Henry. He's the best, isn't he? He's the best. We talk about we talk about trends on here. We talk about our dogs. We talk about the horses that are racing. Let's take another look at number four, the Wall Five Nirvana Sealster. Um, looks uh, looks like he's fresh and ready to go with Trevor Henry in the bike. Mike, any final thoughts here, man? Well, you know, you've got horses coming from all over the place here, but you know, you do have some horses that have some home track advantage, uh, and there's actually four of them here. Um, they're probably a little bit outclassed, but uh, Garnett, I just want to ask you about uh, a couple of these horses uh, in, in the string of long shots here. I mean, they range from 22 to 1 to 55 to 1. Nirvana Sealster, American Virgin, and Physically Inclined. All three of them, along with the one, at 70 to one does have home track advantage. You think that could help in a race like this? Uh, not really because McWicked and Jimmy freight raced here a lot. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really think so in this case. Now, if there was only maybe only two of them and all the rest were invaders, you know, it doesn't hurt to have familiarity. Horses are creatures of habit. We know that that's what kind of makes me a little bit leery about captain crunch. You know, they said he jumped the shadow. I mean, do we know that for sure? Did he jump the shadow? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see what he's going to do going around that same spot again. All right, Mike. Well, we're going to send it to you. They got 10 seconds on the uh, screen here. Myself and Ashley are going to go out for the USTA. I'll let you take this one away, my friend. Okay, thank you very much, Mike Carter. Right, actually, once again, I'm a little bit behind you, maybe about 15 seconds or so as the countdown clock is expiring. Full field of nine. It is the $100,000 Mohawk Gold Cup Invitational. Uh, and, of course, the star of the show is Mick Wicked, looking for his 36th career win, over $4 million in earnings. And no surprise to anybody, he is one to five right now on the board, five to one. Second favorite is number eight, Think Big, Dream Big. Six to one on number three, Jimmy Frey, who does battle with McWicked for the very first time. And the rest of them are well into double digits, led by the wall at 24 to one. Without further ado, let's send it to the fine track announcer at Woodbine Mohawk Park. He's one of the best in the business, and his name is Ken Middleton. Ken? And at the head of the stretch, one to five favorite on the board, number two, McWicked. Post time for race nine. Lined up for the Mohawk Gold Cup Invitational. Here they come. Often pacing, Nirvana Sealster trucking out of there quickly for Henry to go for and grab that early lead. Down the center, Jimmy Freight and McWicked leave out for that pocket spot. It'll be Jimmy Freight who gets it. McWicked back into third. In at the rail, fourth, Easy Lover Hanover ducking. Fifth is the wall, sixth outside to physically incline. Back three are American Virgin, Think Big, Dream Big, and Filibuster Hanover round out the backfield. Here's the opening quarter, compliments of the fleet-footed Nirvana Sealster. He's there in 26-4. and four. Jimmy Freight is on it. 
but not for long. Wah right lines. Jimmy Freighton, here he comes with a pocket pop. He looks to grab the lead and is going to get there. On their way to 3-8, Jimmy Freight strikes the front. Back into second, Nirvana Sealster. McWicked back into third, and Easy Lover Hanover fourth. The wall is brought to the outside. Now from in fifth, he'll come first up. His presence on the outside is sure to get McWicked out and rolling, and Sears calls on him to tip and drive at a 54-4 and four opening half. So to the final turn they go. Jimmy Freight, the one they're chasing here. Back into second, Nirvana Sealster. McWicked on the outside now, set to pounce first over from in third. The wall chased along in his cover from in fourth. Then it's back inside to easy lover Hanover, physically inclined. Think big, dream big, American virgin, and filibuster Hanover the trailer. On to three quarters they go, and a length and a half in front is Jimmy Freight as he blazes a path to three quarters in one big third quarter kicked out by Jimmy Freight. Jimmy Freight is into the stretch and he's on top by a length and a half. Now two. Back in second Nirvana. Seelster McWicked. Not tonight. He's third outside but not gaining. Deep stretch lead. And it's Jimmy Freight. Jimmy Freight's on top by three. And Jimmy Freight brings it tonight. Jimmy Freight to win the Mohawk Gold Cup Invitational by a length and a half in 148-1. How about that? Jimmy Freight with the quarter brush from the pocket gets to the front, sets the fractions. 20 of 54 and 4 for the half. Three quarters, 121 and 2. Finishes in 148 and 1 to get the job done. And uh, I have no idea if Garnett is even at the broadcast location because he said he was going to turn it into a dead sprint to the winner's circle. Uh, Garnett, are you still there? No. <laughs> I figured I figured Garnett was going to turn it into a dead sprint to the winner's circle. Congratulations to the connections of Jimmy Freight. This was a very impressive win. It was his first win of the season. We talked a little bit about home field advantage, and Nirvana Sealster was one of those horses that had that. He finished second. Nick Wicked just didn't bring it tonight, was flushed maybe a little bit earlier than he wanted to by the wall, and um, you know, McWicked had to settle for third, but that was an excellent effort by Jimmy Freight, who gets the job done in the $100,000 Mohawk Gold Cup at a clocking of 148 and one. Congratulations to the connections. It was a great drive by uh, Louis Philippe Juan. We knew that he wasn't going to sit behind Nirvana Sealster all that long in the pocket, but uh, McWicked. A little patient. Obviously, he did not have his A game tonight, but uh, he settles for third. The ownership group, uh, Jimmy Freight, obviously, well, there is no ownership group. Adriano Sorella uh, owns him. Uh, we've had him on the show several times. Richard Moreau, the winning trainer, and uh, Louis Philippe Bois, the winning drive on three, Jimmy Freight. So, congratulations to those connections. And I think the broadcast uh, location at the Woodbine Mohawks just completely abandoned us, uh, Carnet. Yeah. Yeah, well, we could see Garnet right now in the winner's circle with number three, Jimmy Freight, I believe, and a, a very happy Adriano Sorella. This has to be a big feather in his cap to uh, get the job done, especially against uh, perhaps the best older pacer in the game, uh, one of the best older pacers that has come across in a long, long time in the likes of McWicked. Uh, there is... Uh, a winner's circle full. This is a horse that has a lot of following, has an absolutely huge following, and uh, it's going to be a very, very happy winner's circle, no question there, for uh, the winner, Jimmy Freight. I'm counting about, uh, I see Garnett in the winner's circle. I see uh, 
it must be about 50 people in the winner's circle, maybe more, with uh, celebrating with Adriano Sorello. But this, uh, you know, this is a horse that has a big following. This is a horse that uh, that had the, the the T-shirts with the corn. I mean, a horse that uh, comes straight out of Iowa. And uh, this this just has to be a, a proud moment for Adriano Sorella and company winning this race on their home court. So congratulations. Bred by Alan Eden Randall. Oh, Alan Eden and Randall Eden of Iowa. All the way from Iowa. Congratulations to Jimmy Freight, who takes the $100,000 Mohawk Gold Cup invitation. We're going to have prices here in just a moment. We're going to have winner's circle reaction, all kind of good stuff. I don't know how long it's going to take Garnett to get back to I'm the back. broadcast location. <laughs> I figured that when I threw it to the broadcast location the first time, <laughs> there wasn't going to be anybody there because I figured you probably went 24-3 and three to the winner's circle. I didn't come 24 and three back. That's for sure. But yeah, we were, uh, we were out there pretty quick. I tried to tell you that I was on. This, this has to be a very special moment for Adriano Sorella. Um, you know, not only the fact that he wins on his home court at Woodbine Mohawk, but that he defeats one of the greatest older pacers in all of harness racing history, past, present or future in McWicked. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's a it's a huge win for him. I'm sure he's he's just elated, and I uh, see a lot of his family members there with him. His brother Carm uh, came out. Um, his brothers quite often come out to watch his horses race. So uh, I'm sure he's going to be thrilled. And you know, um, the kind of guy Adriano is, uh, he threw he's throwing a barbecue for pretty much anybody that wants to go at Richard Moreau's uh, barn area tomorrow, or his farm. And uh, I know he spent considerable money on this uh, barbecue, and he got it all back right here. That's for sure. <laughs> so you think, I think the barbecue just got about 20 times better because of <laughs> Jimmy Freight's win here tonight. But, Garnet, you had a chance to go into that winner's circle. Tell us about some of the emotion that was uh, going through not only Adriano, obviously, but uh, there was a host, a, look, a cast of thousands, uh, just a straight-out party in the winner's circle. Yeah, pretty much. There's a lot of jubilation in there for sure. I mean, it's not every day uh, you can get to knock off the reigning horse of the year. So um, there was certainly, uh, you know, a lot of jubilation. And uh, it's just great to see, uh, you know, a good friend of mine win a race like this. That's for sure. Okay. So Ashley Mayu is uh, going to be joined here by Adriano Sorello. This is uh, going to be an interview you're not going to want to miss, I'm sure. Uh, let's see. So uh, she's organizing that right now. We're going to want to get to her as soon as uh, soon as we can because I'm sure Adriano's going to be uh, Shaking hands and kissing babies here for uh, probably the next couple hours. No doubt, no doubt. But uh, what about the the effort of McWicket tonight, uh, Garnet? I mean, it, you know, he was flushed by the wall. Obviously, you don't want to sit in that situation. But uh, he he you know he charged and uh, he just couldn't do it. But right now, let's set it to Ashley Mayu. She has the winning owner. Very very happy, Adriano Sorella. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I'm with Adrienne Sorello, who is all smiles after that major performance from Jimmy Freight, final time in 140-1. and one. How does it feel to get the win and beat McWicked today? Uh, you know, it's special when you get to beat McWicked. Uh, you know, it's uh, not many – horses have been able to do it and to have a horse like this uh you know he's uh he's not a, a, a gigantic horse but he's a gutsy horse he, he races his heart out every single time and uh he's pretty special to me 
Now, this is his first win of the year. Were you nervous at all going into this race, knowing that he hadn't won yet? Yeah, you know what? I was, wasn't really nervous because, I mean, the old saying is if he's making money and it's adding up in his bank account, that's always a good thing. And when you've got to face, again, like when you got to face McWicket and these type of horses, you know that, you know, that you, sometimes you know that it's going to be a tough task. But uh, returning for home uh, and halfway down the lane, I was like, oh, my God, he's sharp right now. He's still going. And, uh, and I was pretty excited. I, I had a strange feeling that uh, we were going to be down here. We can see Adriana's excited breeding last year's horse of the year's horse of the year. Yeah, it was pretty wicked. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Ashley. Uh, Don, obviously, at a very, very excited winner's circle with uh, Adriano Sorello. Now, Garnet, you've seen this horse race uh, quite a bit since coming from Iowa. Is this the best that he has looked to you? Pretty close. I think uh, he might have been a little bit better the night he broke the track record at Yonkers in the, uh, the elimination for the messenger. I mean, that was a long-standing track record, but... Oh, man, you can't take anything away from this performance. 48 and a piece, he beat, uh, you know, McWicked came to him, and he sprinted away from him. And uh, you know what? Um, the people that were betting on Nirvana Sealster knew something, obviously, because he raced huge to finish second and went up to 29 to 1, where I said he should be about 30, 40 to 1. But um, somebody knew that he had a good performance in him tonight. It's nothing else. And uh, But uh, you know what? Jimmy Freight was uh, sprinting away. Adriano, let's talk a little bit about McWicked now. Well, we were talking uh, about that before uh, we had to uh, send it to Ashley and Adriano. But, um, you know, he was in the three-hole. I think the wall kind of forced his hand. Uh, he had to come out just before the half. Uh, he grinded up maybe to the wheel, but never really got close to Jimmy Freight in this race. Uh, I mean, can we say something about his performance, or are we to just say that maybe Jimmy Freight has taken that next step? Maybe a little bit about two things. Um McGook had missed a month. I, I, I know that I know that it was said that you know it's not anything that bothers the horse, that kind of stuff. But missing a month, um, you know, in top competition, if you just lose a couple fifths of a second of fitness, that's all it takes to lose a race by three lengths, right? It's three fifths of a second of fitness. So um, definitely, um, definitely the uh, time off may have played into it. Obviously, um, you know, the Mohawk Gold Cup is not uh, McWicked's main goal this year either. So um, you know, this uh, he might have been a little bit short for this race, but. You can't take anything away from the winner. I mean, that was a huge performance. And I think we can both safely say that this maybe this budding rivalry is certainly not over with. We are going to see more of these two horses on the racetrack, certainly this year. Is that safe to say? I mean, against each other? Absolutely. I don't see any reason why not. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure uh, Jimmy's uh, eligible for a lot of the races McWicket is. I'll tell you what, Mike, I, think- I, uh, I, I spent ahead, $5. Mike. My trifecta ticket in that race, I had used Jimmy Freight on top and don't cash. Well, Nirvana Sealster was a tough horse to use. Garnet and I were just talking about that before you got to the broadcast table. Uh, let's take a look at the prices really quick, Mike, before we uh, before we continue. Jimmy Freight returns 1190, 660, and 265. Nirvana Sealster, 1930, 422. McWicked, 210. Prompted some pretty good payoffs. A $71.45 exacta for a dollar. The uh, try for 20 cents comes back $38.46. The 20 cent super comes back $100. $165.70 and the pick three for 20 cents returns seven cents. Congratulations to Team Iowa, Jimmy Freight, and the party is going to be going probably into the night. And certainly, guys, 
uh, tomorrow where Garnett said that uh, Jimmy or Jimmy uh, Adriano actually had a barbecue that, that was already uh, promoted. And uh, anybody, and this is the cool thing about Adriano is anybody that wants to go to show up, show up. He'll take care of you. All right. We're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to regroup. Race number seven is coming up next. Excuse me, race number seven. It's seven minutes, race 10. The Fan Hanover Final It's coming to you next. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Post Time, gates moving. They're off, and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. It's been said that fortune favors the bold, and we're all in at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Join us as we kick off the live racing season with an epic fan appreciation weekend, Friday, March 29th and Saturday, March 30th, for champion harness racing, new bets, folder promotions, free family events, live entertainment, giveaways, and more, starting at 6.30 p.m. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino is bigger than folder, and we want you to be a part of it. Visit harrishoosierpark.com for more info. The Meadowlands racing season is just heating up with large fields, bigger purses, nightly promotions, and some of the greatest restaurants in New Jersey. There are plenty of places to catch all of the exciting action. First post on Friday and Saturday nights is 7:15. For more information and reservations, call 201 The Big M or visit PlayMeadowlands.com. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. All right, we're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Mike Carter, beside a very jubilant Garnet Barnsdale, Ashley Mayu, Ace Nick Barnsdale, and listen, we haven't talked to the to the Ace much, so so let's let him jump in here for a couple of minutes. And Ace, uh, you know, listen, talk, see see, normally the guys are supposed to give up their seat for a girl, and she she's being nice to you. See, look at that man. She, uh, you know, I, I paid her an extra twenty to do that, but. <laughs> yes, we have a very uh, a very polite and merciful member of our squad. I've been standing for quite a while. Um, uh, no, she's been doing a great job so far. I've listened to the interviews, and uh, yeah, she's just been doing great. Uh, listen, I don't really know what you want me to talk about here, but I'm going to talk about my pick for the uh, Pepsi North American Cup. He may be the favorite, the morning line favorite, but I'm going to go with the man who we talked to earlier, Horace Brian Brown's working on a mystery. Um, he just looked good in his limb, and I know you don't. If you don't like a limbs, you don't like to put too much stock in them. Well, he was great in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes. He was five for six last year. This horse is so consistent. He's only lost a single race, and boy, if you can get anything more than two to one on him, I'd say place a hefty wager. 
All right. Well, listen, I appreciate you sitting down. We're, we're, you've been busy running around here getting interviews for us. So listen, keep up the good work. And uh, the three of us are going to go through this post parade. So keep up the good work, man. All right. Thanks, Mike. As Garnet- My chair's been stolen again. <laughs> hey, Nick, tell us your strategy for this race. We won't tell your opponents. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, the one horse is tall. Hold, hold on. We're not, we're not, wait. Oh, hold no, on a minute. No, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. Who runs this show, huh? Well, apparently me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. They're That's about right. To... You always do the one horse. That's okay. I, I don't care who does the one horse, but you're going to let me introduce the race first, man. Come on. Okay, okay. Tenth, go. tenth race is the. Uh, $454,000 fan Hanover final. It's for three-year-old Philly Pacers and Saints. Garnet wants to talk about Tall Drink Hanover. We'll let him. Now that I'm meeting M&M's, Tall Drink Hanover is owned by Alanya Racing, trained by Tony Alanya, driven by Andrew McCarthy. She was really good here last year, Tall Drink Hanover. Currently 6-1. to one. Not a bad bet at 6-1, to one, I don't think. Number two is Dev, is trained by a James Dean, owned by Woma and James McKenzie, driven by a Jody Jamison. I got to tell you, if Jody Jamison wins this race, he'll be high-fiving some fans. That's right. The three currently second choice on the board, Treacherous Rain, Dexter Dunn in the Sulky, trainer Tony Alanya, comes off a, uh, you know, won the elimination here, the first of two last weekend. The four war we, you butte, and there's 10 wins from 15 lifetime starts, won three in a row this year. Already made 74000 goes for Team Burke, Yannick Zingra. She's one to two for a reason, and she's the mare to beat. Number five is Trillian's Hanover. This was a horse that I sort of liked a little bit for trainer Tom Fanning. Was third in the elimination, but uh, got roughed up considering uh, that third-place effort was parked the mile with Trillian's Hanover. Currently sitting on the board at 16-1. to one. I definitely think that Trillian's Hanover could be the value. The sixth tank somewhere, trainer Ron Burke, and then driver Matt Kekele, Uh Barely made this race, finished fifth in the elimination, but prior to that, won a New York Fire Stakes at Vernon. The seven powerful Chris is better than the form looks. Uh, finishing 52 flat last week in a mile of 150. Uh, five Finished fifth. I think this one's got a chance to hit the board at 45 to 1 with Bob McClure driving. Number eight, Beach Bar, is owned by trainer, excuse me, is owned. Okay, let's try that again. It's trained by Sean Stacey, owned by Robert Shelley McMillan of Ontario. Tim Tietrick picks up the drive once again, close home to be fourth in the fan Hanover elimination. I'm not a big fan of Beach Bar. The horse that I like that you all called me crazy for, the nine Stonebridge Soul. This is the trainer. is Christopher Ryder, driver Sylvain Filion. Comes off a third-place finish in the elimination and then had some nice races down in Pennsylvania. The 10 Beauty on the Beach is going to have to do some work from out there. Second in her elimination. Probably would be given a better shot if she drew better. Currently 55-1 to 1 for Team McNair. All right. That is the field for the 10th race. It's the Fan Hanover Final. And listen, I'm going to let you make your case for the nine horse here. The nine Stonebridge Soul currently tw- me, was 12-1 to 1 morning line. Was a winner against Pennsylvania All-Stars in 151-1 and 1 over a very, or excuse me, over a sloppy track. Closed home, or excuse me, race good to be third last week for trader Chris Ryder. Tell us what you think about it. Like you just mentioned, Closed nicely third last time, 149 and four. I know Dexter Dunn clearly went elsewhere with treacherous rain. I just thought, as an exotic player myself, the price is right. 12 to 1 morning line up to a whopping 46 to 1 currently. The position is a concern. I mean, the course has been drawing the six, the five, and the one hole all this year. So going even wider. And, you know, the outside posts have not been doing well tonight. I just don't know. This course doesn't need to make the lead, could rate, especially if they're going to go fast on the front end. Gee, she makes a pretty good case for the nine there. She does. I just, uh, I just wonder what's going to happen from the nine hole here. I'm going to, uh, 
I'm going to play some tries uh, with the seven for third. Probably three, four with one, three, four with seven single for third. I can see powerful Chris sneaking onto this ticket at 36 to one. Mike? There she is right there. Mike, you still with us? Yep. If you guys are looking for a long shot, maybe number five, Trillions Hanover, was parked a mile last time, and that actually could have been a needed start. That was off a month, off a good qualifier in 50-2 and at the Meadowlands. And once again, I'm not recommending to put this horse on top because I do like number three, Treacherous Rain, a whole lot in here. Uh, I know Garnet talked about that effort last time, and she had plenty left in the tank. And I really like the way she looked uh, in her – Seasonal debut at Harris Philly uh, in 52 and two close to 27 and one just never asked. And once again, we just don't know where her ceiling is. I mean, she has just been very, very good. And uh, I, you know, I think with uh, the majority of the money going on, I think two to one's a good piece on her. And um, so I'm going to play maybe put the five underneath and tries and supers with the three on top guys. Guys, I'm going to go I, – I'm going to play the five trillion hit over here in uh, some sort of way. I think I'm going to actually maybe uh, – I don't know if I'll key off of the five trillion Tanover because I think Warwee U Butte is one of the better horses in the race, obviously. But I think the five trillion Tanover has a pretty big chance here. Garnet, what do you think, man? Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to make a little bet here. Single the four horse – the seven horse to finish third. Powerful Chris. I love the way she closed last time, even though out of contention. Three, four with one, three, four with seven. That's uh, six combos. Um uh, Four combos, actually. I'd probably play that. For, I'm going to punch that in for five bucks right now, and hopefully powerful Chris can get me a couple hundred bucks there. Listen, a betting man is what we call him, Garnet Barnsdale. And Ace, who do you like here in this race, man? This is the Fan Hanover. I can't lie. I haven't looked very closely at it. Tell us your strategy. We won't tell your opponents, Nick. Listen, listen, man. <laughs> uh, I think that line's pretty good. Anyways, treacherous rain. Um, I got to go with him. He's the chalk. He's actually not. As I look at the tote board, I he's figured al- he's also a she. <laughs> oh, I'm getting messed with here. Uh, she's got Dexter Dunn. She's she's won. She won her a limb. She won a Pennsylvania All Stars race. I think she has what it takes to take it to where we you be the current three to five favorite. That's it. Mike, uh, you know, a pretty interesting race here. One to two on the four, Warwick U Butte. Do you take the short price on Warwick U Butte tonight? No, absolutely not. I like three treacherous rain, and I think number one, Tall Drink Hanover could even come forward. Second, uh, third start of the year after a really good effort last time, I thought. Uh, you know, as she was used a couple of times at that mile, and I think it's, uh, you know, if you look at the chart in line, just think that's a pocket ride, but that is really not the case there. And uh, she looked good in her uh, her debut race uh, as a three-year-old, 151-2. and two. So Andy McCarthy sticks with. I think she's got a shot to uh, possibly upset. I don't think Warwick Butte's a lock in here at all. I think the one and the three are contenders to win this race and like I say I think five trillion Hanover has got a good shot to be underneath along with um, Garnett's underneath pick the seven powerful Chris uh, hey it's uh, it's ace back and I just wanted to brag that I actually had Jimmy Freight in the previous race that was my last two bucks and he saved my night thanks Jimmy oh boy here we go we're gonna be we're gonna be listening to this the rest of the night Mike but that's okay uh, congratulations to the gang there. I'm going to turn it over to you and Garnett. We are 53 seconds away from the Fan Hanover Final. 
All right, guys, once again, let's take a look, uh, recap of the odds here for the fan hand over final war. We viewed is obviously the favorite here, uh, one to two, and uh, she probably deserves to be. But, uh, you know, we talked about how good the three looked last time. And, Garnett, we, we kind of throw this around a lot about trying to judge where the ceiling of the horse is. And it's kind of tough with three-year-old fillies because they're still young. They're still developing. But, uh, you know, the three wins the treacherous rain has this year uh, have been uh, have been pretty impressive. So I, I don't know how fast she can go. Yeah, I just like what I saw in the elimination, Mike. They, when they showed the close-up, she just seemed like she had so much more to give, uh, you know, and she's going 26 and three effortlessly. Obviously it's a tall task to, to knock off for you, Butte, who went almost a second faster, but you know, Yannick himself said this week, time doesn't mean that much. If you, a lot of them, if you have to go faster, they will. So we'll see if that works against him here with one of his opponents. All right, let's uh, let's hear about 14 seconds away from a start again. Warren, will you beat one to two, three to or five to two now? Down ticking three, treacherous rain off that two to one morning line, seven to one, clear third choice. Number one, tall drink Hanover making her third start of the year. She finished second to Warren, will you beat in uh, one of the eliminations of the fan Hanover, Hanover in one at 49 at one. Uh, everybody else uh, pretty much up in double digits. Troy and Sandal are getting a little bit of board respect. The fourth favorite right now at 18 to 1, and everybody else is 50 to 1 or better. With the call of the fan Hanover, let's send it to the voice of Woodbine Mohawk, Ken Middleton. For tonight's 10th, it's the final of the Fan Hanover, 1-2, to the favorite going in. Little surprise to see Warby Butte, you Butte, getting a lot of attention here. Great start to the year. Perfect three for three for trainer Ron Burke, Yannick Shangra at the controls. Daughter of Sweet Lou taking on nine others in the Fan Hanover final. It's next from Woodbine, Mohawk Park. Here they come. They're often pacing big speed from Stonebridge Soul as Filion has got her engine revved up to the max. Off the gate, she will rocket to the top. Coming after on the outside, powerful Chris in between his treacherous rain from the inside, tall drink Hanover. And there is Warwe, U Butte, outside from in fifth to track the early speed for Jingra. Back to the rail from in six now as they go to the quarter. That is Deb. Gap of two and a half lengths back inside. Trillions Hanover from in seventh. Further back, we go to find Saint somewhere. Beach Bar. Last is Beauty on the Beach, 27 flat to the quarter, powerful Chris on the lead, but here on the outside, Treacherous Rain is sweeping up alongside and going by now. On the move, third outside is Warwe Yu-Yu, she has yet to see the rail, the chances are she will shortly. Here comes Jingra sweeping to the front, he'll get back stretch respect now as Dunn releases him. To the lead is Warwe Yu-Butte, back into second, Treacherous Rain, then third, powerful Chris. Here on the move is McCarthy, first up with Tall Drink, Hanover Half and 54 and want a scalding hot pace for the Phillies as they go into the far turn, and it's Warwe U Butte making the speed here as she's up front by a length and a half. Treacherous Rain is into second. Tall Drink Hanover being asked already third outside. Then in at the rail fourth is Powerful Chris outside from in fifth is Deb. Now they come to three quarters. Jingra continues to swing away on Warwe U Butte large and in charge at three quarters in 121 and one at 27 second flat third quarter. And it's Warwe U Butte into the stretch. Popped out from second comes Treacherous Rain.
Outside Stonebridge Soul, or are we you beauty still there? Here's treacherous rain coming to her on the outside. Powerful Chris up the cones. War we you beauty needs the line. Here with a late push. Treacherous rain. Treacherous rain on the outside, scoring the upset in 148 and 3. A mild upset. Treacherous rain in the fan Hanover final. Yeah, and she deserved that one. War we you butte did a lot of the work in that race. Well, Treacherous Rain did her share of the work in that race as well, as uh, it was an extremely earned pocket, so to speak, that she had. But uh, she was able to get to the outside, and she just out-sprinted the War we you butte who was game and gutsy in defeat to be second. Garnett, you're going to be happy because you're... Yes, I am. I, I lost you. You there, Garnet? I'm here. Yeah, I'm All right. pretty How happy about with the $5 347 try. And that's not bad. That's not bad. Did it kind of surprise you that the seven was uh, put into play here early on? I thought she was just going to kind of try to creep up in the flow. Oh, I was real happy when uh, when she made front. I was real happy because I was pretty sure by the half she was going to be third where I needed her to be. My only fear turning for home, I said to Nick, I'm a little afraid this seven's going to going to uh, do better than third, maybe beat one of them, but those two mares were too good. The value, as we said, was the winner. I mean, did she get the perfect trip? Yeah, she got a really good trip. But, I mean, that's not really that unexpected. You know where you be going to try and control the race. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on seeing things visually with horses. But every once in a while, I see something that grabs my eye. And that was the one thing that I saw watching races last week was how full of herself this horse, this filly looked at the wire. She just like she looked like she had a ton more to give, Mike. And tonight, she gave it. Yeah, she certainly did. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, I'll tell you what, you know, you talk about, you know, pocket trips and then you talk about earned pocket trips and she was outside the first three eighths of a mile before clearing. And, uh, and then she, uh, you know, she give it up to Warren where you butte and then she had to come back, you know, uh, on pop the right after the three quarter pole. And, uh, that was, uh, a really, really gutsy win, I thought. Uh, but she she was all out there. I think maybe we could kind of judge where her ceiling is because <laughs> this was definitely not an in-hand win. She was kind of all out. But give a lot of credit to War We Butte. I mean, she was parked out for uh, quite a ways before clearing the lead, and uh, she just could not put away the winner who was uh, – well, I'll tell you what, she showed a lot – both of those horses actually showed a lot of heart here, Garnet. Yeah, and I was just going to – I was just kind of pointing to Nick because I was going to mention Nick – Mr. Tony Alani is having a huge night tonight. You might want to try and grab him at some point. He's won the good times. He's won this race here. Obviously, he's not going to he's not going to be too available before the NA Cup. I think he's got one in there. But um, before the night's over, you should try and grab Tony because first of all, he's a nice guy in a really good interview, and I think he likes you. So, but um, I, you know, it'd be interesting just to get a few uh, moments with him. But yeah, Mike, you know, I mean. Uh, I just think these two Phillies are so much better. So, I mean, it's not so much of uh, where their ceiling is, just that they're that much better. I mean, if they weren't that much better, the seven horse who had a golden trip would have beat one of them. Yeah, certainly. And how about uh, Ashley's pick, Stonebridge Soul? I thought she raced very, very well from post nine. She was actually first off the wings and did a lot of work that first quarter and then got shuffled back a bit. And uh, I'll tell you what, when she found room, she was rolling late. And you got to think if the race was maybe another 50, 60 yards, she might have been in the winner's circle. For sure, she would have beat me out of the try because she wasn't that far off. And uh, now I'm just wondering if Ashley and I should have combined and uh, bet a Superfecta ticket because I think this thing's going to pay pretty good. I think this try is going to pay decent with the seven third. I'm, you know, I'm hoping it's going to pay uh, for a dollar, maybe about sixty or seventy bucks. That's what, that's what I'm hoping for right now. But 
I guess we'll have to see when uh, when the prices come up. But uh, this should uh, potentially make it a profitable night for me, I, I hope. Captain Treacherous, son of the Adrankin again, Mayor Scandalous Hanover. Treacherous Rain picks up her fifth career win. Obviously, the biggest of her career here on the fan. Hanover going for over $450,000. She remains perfect on the season. She's owned by Alanya Racing, Let It Ride Stables, Mr. Dana Parham. Of course, Tony Alanya. It just seems like he reloads every year. You know, you talk about teams or trainers restocking. He, he doesn't restock, he just reloads. And uh, I'll tell you what, he's done so with a lot of uh, sons and daughters of Captain Treacherous. And I'll tell you what, it, it from the very early offerings for just the first year or so of the Captain Treacherous products, it looks like he is going to be an unbelievable sire. Yeah, he's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of horses that have uh, high early speed, like precocious early, which is important, right? It's important for the sales and stuff. And uh, I just refreshed my account and cashed four hundred fifty-two dollars on that race with a five-dollar try. So. Once again, you don't have to beat the chocks to make money. No, you certainly don't. And I know that's what Mike Carter always talks about, and I'm sure he'll be trying to uh, hook you up to buy dinner after the races. But uh, let's take a look at the prices. Treacherous Raid, 720, 310, Powerful Chris, 690, the exact of 1310. But here is, look at the try, Garnet. This is an unbelievable try. 90.50 for a dollar. What a payoff that is. The Superfecta gets even better. 20 cents, 95.36 for a dollar. That Superfecta pays 476 dollars and 80 cents and even the pick three garnered for a dollar 69.50 i mean that is uh you know that's not terrible considering that you know a lot of people probably wheeled mcwicked in that pick three sequence but jimmy freight was the clear uh top contender in that race right and uh kind of you know you got basically two second choices in a chalk i think uh, 70 dollars not too bad uh, dexter dunn's having himself a good night um can't say enough about how how uh, spectacular he's been uh, since he decided to kind of drop anchor here in North America and uh, kind of you know put down his roots a little bit and um, he, he certainly has ice water in his veins, Mike. He he you don't see him make too many mistakes in these big races when you give him a good horse. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, and I know Ashley uh, Mayu is going to be down in the winner's circle. Let me make sure that I'm not passing up uh, an interview with her. Okay, Mike's going to text me. But uh, let's talk about where this puts this pick for, because you know that McWicked had to be wheeled on a lot of tickets. And if McWicked wasn't wheeled on a lot of tickets, you know where we, you Butte had to be wheeled on a lot of tickets. I think even though the, the two logical top contenders – the favorites won both the pick fours. This has to be a, uh, you would think with two logical wheel horses out, this pick four could be on the road to paying something, especially if uh, you get a bomb one of the next two races. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, people that are cold punching tickets, uh, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's some big betters here, right? Guys that are cold punching five, ten, twenty dollar pick fours. Um, a lot of them are single to make wicked or, uh, you know, for guys that decide they're going to use Jimmy, don't necessarily use the winner of this race. So um, I feel a little bit sheepish that I didn't use Jimmy Freight, but I don't bet with my emotion uh, typically, even though one of my best friends owns the horse. Um, but uh, you know what? In retrospect, if, if he's going to knock off McWicked, this is the race to do it. And I think maybe you got to think a little bit deeper. When a horse has missed a month, he's eight years old. He's obviously got some huge races on his dance card. Not that the Gold Cup is a, isn't a big race. But, um, you know, I mean, this isn't the end goal. I mean, he's the reigning horse of the year. Um, and I think he got much, much better late in the season last year. At the end of the year, Mike, he was unbeatable. That race, he, that race at Pocono, um, 
where he went first up and just, uh, you know, he made a monster move in the third quarter and just coasted home. I think by the end of the year, he gets better. So if you're ever going to take a shot to beat him, this was it. And unfortunately, I didn't do it. All right, Garner, let's send it to Ashley Mayu. Ashley's got Dexter done live in the winner's circle. Ashley? Dexter and I are actually walking the paddock area. Treacherous rain put in a mega performance. Worry, you beat. Tough turning for home, but you're a Philly just grinding. Yeah, like I was traveling okay, but, uh, you know, I had a look at Yannick, and he was traveling really good as well. And, you know, we know the speed that uh, she's where he's got. You know, she can really turn on the afterburners up the street. So, you know, I just sat on, the, sat on Yannick's back a little bit longer and sort of keep my momentum up with him and, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be second, so we just to the last bit of the stretch, and it was a tough, it was a tough drive, and uh, she was pretty tenacious at the end. You've been, you know, driving her for a while. How do you think she's been progressing? The older she gets, and the more she races. Yeah, obviously I never sat behind her last year, but she did a great job and tailed off at the end of the season. But you know, I've trained her a couple of times in the in the winter and qualified her and raced her, and she just does nothing wrong. You know, she gives you a great feel the whole time, and um, you know, she's like I said, she's done nothing wrong this season so far. Congrats, Dexter. All right, thank you very much. That was Ashley Mayu uh, interviewing Dexter Dunn. We're going to take a very quick time out. When we come back, we're going to set the table for the 2019 Pepsi North America Cup. It's nearly time for the main event. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's It's that easy. easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner, Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Edition of Hoax Town with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. 
Mike Carter, joined by Ashley Mayu, Garnett Barnsdale, Nick Ace Barnsdale. We'll talk about the Pepsi North America Cup in a second. But we got to talk about Charton's biggest fan. Or excuse me, talk to Charton's biggest fan, not about her, because she's standing right here. Duh, why, you know, listen, if we're going to talk about her, we're going to talk about her to her face, right? Heather Vital, Heather, what's going on? Everything's really great. I'm getting really excited about Charton's race, about the roses are red. I know I should be excited about the North American Cup. I am. <laughs> it's totally cool. But the roses are red. Like, that's what we're here for. Well, well, listen, do you have a championship belt for this race or no? No. Yeah, you know, I saw the yeah. belt from a couple years ago. 2015, my son had brought a custom-made North America Cup belt. Yeah, it was a huge hit. And he was going to give it to the winner. Thankfully, we ended up winning the North, North America Cup. So um, that was all good. <laughs> all right. Do you have a pick in the North America Cup, maybe? You know, I do like working on a mystery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know probably the favorite. He'll probably go off the favorite, right? But, uh, yeah, probably with good reason. Right, And for I'm sure. a big Tim Petrick fan, obviously. So. Well, well, listen, you got to be to be uh, – listen, he drives Sharton, so, you <laughs> yeah, know, you can't exactly. say anything bad about him. Hey, uh, let, real quick, before we let you go, uh, let's talk about PA Harness Week. Uh, you, PA Harness Week, you guys are back, and uh, you guys are rocking and rolling, you and uh, Charlotte, yeah. correct? We are uh, NBC Sports Philly, 1030 on Saturdays. I see uh, myself and Charlotte McBride. It's a great show. I'm very proud of it. All right. Heather Vital, one of the most energetic people in the sport of harness racing, but we love to have her around. Thanks so much, Heather. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mike, uh, listen, you know, she's uh, obviously a Shartin fan. We'll get to Shartin and the rest of the gang. As post time with Mike and Mike, sponsored by Amtrak, continues. A full field of 10 for the 36th. You guys should be impressed. I, I was able to read the uh, Roman numerals. That's how I figured that out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, they're not impressed. No, Man. not really. Jeez, Louise. Actually, just kind of looked at me like, eh, no. 36. Okay. You know, you should know it's a 36. I, should, I do. You know. Because you just told me. And, anyway. I, and I know how to read Roman numerals. Oh, whatever. You, listen, you know how to do it all. All right. Let's take a look at the 11th race. It's the 36th renewal of the Pepsi North America Cup. And for the 36th year in a row, the track will be listed as fast. Uh, Ashley, it's starting to rain just a little bit as we were sitting out there. And, you know, the track is lightning fast. We just saw a marvelous mile um, by the winner there. You know, and closers have been uh, closers have been kind of putting it together the last couple of races. I've been watching the forecast all week, and I was kind of hoping for heavier rain. Not so that it could get soaked, but I really thought my top pick in here, Captain Crunch, would benefit from that. I mean, when you look at his first race on the year, that time was 149-1 and one over a sloppy track. And the, the final uh, quarter in there, 26 flat, I, he really liked the off-going. Today, it's just it's lightning fast. So I just thought, you know, he'll still run well. I just thought maybe with an off-track would have ran better darn here, it here it's time for the pepsi north america cup and you, you see the you see the different selections here we got some fours we got some twos we got some threes garnet you're on the two delos cielos deo and again as we go through this post parade obviously this post parade is going to be longer than most and you know as we watch them walk by us, Garnet, uh, eight to five, obviously no surprise on Delo Sierra. I told you he was going to get over bet. One of the first things I said to you when we came in here, because everybody seems to be on him, but uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I can't take eight to five on him. I like him as my pick, but I might uh, have to play with some triactors and stuff like I did last race here. All right. They are about to step onto the racetrack. We're going to take a little bit more time. We've got some notes on some of these horses here. We're going to take a little bit more time and go through the entire field of 10 for the 36th renewal of the Pepsi North America Cup. 
going by us first was A-Flame Hanover. We'll get to all of these horses in just a second. Again, an extended post parade here. We see trainer Ron Burke going by with uh, Captain Victorious, who looked really sharp. And the track is kind of setting up for a closer to come by here. So we'll talk about that here in just a minute. I'm going to kick things off with the one A-Flame Hanover, bred by Hanover Shoe Farms, owned by Tony and Linda Shadle of Pennsylvania. Has zero wins in 2019, but his six wins and 24 starts, $116,000 in the bank with a mark of 151 and four at the Meadows. Number one is A Flame Hanover. To the current favorite is De Los Cielos Deo, Breeders Louis uh, Willinger. And we look at the owners, Burke Racing, we just mentioned. I mean, this horse is taking a lot of play. It's had a tough beginning to the three year old season. The last time had a very, you know, great performance at the half was last and then closed very hard to finish second, just beaten by length. The three betters wish owned by Chris Ryder, Bella Racing Stable, Farrell and Farm, Kenneth Solomon, trained by Chris Ryder, driven by Dexter Dunn. It was pointed out in the DRF Harness newsletter that uh, betters wish pays three quarters, sub 27 seconds last week in his elimination. Betters wish was a horse I liked very much last year. I bet him in the Battle of Waterloo final. I thought he got a bit of a poor trip in that race to get beat. So far, he's four for four this year, made 205000 He's uh, He's won the $300,000 Art Rooney by six lengths in 151 and four. And uh, he's currently nine to two, which is a good price, I think. Number four, working on a mystery, seven to two, a fantastic price on the four, working on a mystery, who has struggled uh, health-wise over this week. The connections say that working on a mystery is 100% ready to go. Is bred by the White Birch Farm, three for three in 2019, suffered one defeat total and over $180,000 made with a 149 mark here at Woodbine Mohawk Park. The five, Captain Victorious, is floated up from the 12 to 1 morning line, also bred by White Birch Farm, owners of Captain B Stable. They recently acquired him in April, previously raced for Julie Miller. He's winless this year, but they've mentioned he has some health issues. They kind of figured him out, and he just finished second in his elimination. The six, Tiger Hanover, is taking a little bit of money, 16 to 1. This horse uh, came around in his second start this year, was an open-length winner in 151 and 2. Won a division of the Sun Beach somewhere in 52 and 1. Last week, 49 and 3 fourth in his elimination. This is one to consider for the exotics, I think, because he's coming around at the right time. Number seven, best in show. We'll try to be best in show in the Pepsi North America Cup, owned by Richard Young. Joanne Young and Craig Henderson. Richard, excuse me, they're the breeders. Richard Young and Joanne Young are the owners. Two for five in 2019, three for eight in his career. Has only, excuse me, has only missed the board one time in his career, over $115,000 made. A mark of 150 and three at Woodbine Mohawk Park, the third foal from world champion, put on a show who made $2.4 million. Number eight, Captain Crunch, bred by Wallen Farm and Sherry Mears, owned by Three Brothers Stable, Christine uh, Taxter. Johan Stables and Caviar Farms has two wins this year. Just, you know, had a tough elimination, barely makes this race, but had a very strong two-year-old year, was the top two-year-old pacing Cole in the United States. The nine Hurricane Emperor is by Speedball Hurricane King Cole. He is owned by Jonathan Klee Racing, Pegasus Investment, William Garofalo, trained by John McDermott, driven by Dan Dubay. I don't think there's any way this horse races other than head for the front, so he could pepper the pace and set it up for one of the closers from outside. Number 10 is Stag Party, 22 to 1. No surprise here. Has hit the board three times in 2019. Has finished third in all three of those starts. Had a really dominant 2018. Just hasn't put it together so far this year as a mark of 150 and four here at Woodbine Mohawk Park with a $125,000 yearling purchase at the 2017 Harrisburg Yearling Sale. That's the field for the 36th renewal 
of the Pepsi North America Cup. We are commercial free from now until the end of the race. And guys, no real surprise here. De Los Cielos Deo taking uh, taking some money at nine to five uh, has floated up a little bit from what we thought. Nine to two currently on number three. Better's Wish number four working on a mystery seven to two. And I'm kind of surprised at the price on the five here. Captain Victoria said 14 to one. Surprised that he's lower than what you thought he was going to be or higher? You know, I, I, I thought he would be a little bit lower than this, maybe 9 or 10 to 1. I really thought he would take a little bit more money than he has. I thought he'd be higher, Mike. Honestly, um, he's got four races on his card. All these shows is the second last week. He really didn't do any specific work other than sit inside and make a late charge. Um, I think this shows that there's some there's some money coming in for this horse because I really thought he'd be more in the 20, 20 to 1 range. So we'll see. Yeah, I was with Mike Carter. I thought he would be lower. I mentioned that earlier. I was thinking nine or ten to one, and you know he's at he's at fourteen to one now. And if you look at the odds, they really haven't shifted in the last few minutes. I mean, the two is taking the majority of the play. Better's wish as well, working on a mystery and Captain Crunch. I mean, that's not surprising at all. But I've been watching it, and there's been no change in a lot of these horses for a while. Yeah, I mean, uh, this this could be a race that shapes up for some kind of a big upset. I don't even know why I'm thinking that now, but. <laughs> I just have a feeling there's going to be a lot of action in this race. Um, like I said, this nine horse is probably going to go. Captain Crunch, I don't, I don't see him taking back too far. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of a half they put up here. They might put a 53 flat half up here. Then it's going to depend on who's sitting where, who's got the best trip, who finds room late. I mean, I, I don't think there's, I don't think it's that clear cut between the two, three, four, and eight that none of these other six horses can win. I guess is what I'm saying. Mike. Um, had to let the Amtrak go by. Yeah, I know. They get. I'll tell you what. They they, they actually should owe us sponsorship money. To be quite honest with you, Mike, we should actually pursue that. You should. Um, you know, Captain Crunch is a big, beautiful looking horse. I love the way this horse goes. I love watching him. You know, the, the effort two starts back at Harris Philly. That was a forty nine and two under wraps. I have no doubt he could have went much faster. You know, he made the break right at you know right at the quarter last time, and obviously that put him out of his game they say he jumped the shadow like Garnet said do we really know but uh let's take a look at what happened after that let's take a look at the fact that this horse showed a lot of heart to make the final overcoming that obstacle at racing wide give scott zero on credit to keeping him together after that um you know now you'd have to ask yourself well if you like him what kind of bonds are you going to tank on him he's right around three to one I do think he's the best horse in this race. And I think if he minds his racing manners, I think he has a shot. Another horse that I'm going to put underneath, well underneath, third or fourth in uh, tries and supers, is a flame Hanover. It was first time Andy McCarthy last time. I know this, uh, these connections have hopes for this horse. He hasn't quite panned off, had a much better two-year-old season than at three. But uh, he does have a good late kick. And I'm kind of interested to see what Andy McCarthy can do with this horse second time on the bike. Uh, I mean, if he's closer, if this thing breaks down, I don't think he could win. But I do think he can get third or fourth at 86 to one. So I'm going to play Captain Crunch on top, maybe put the one, use the one a little for third or fourth, and maybe play around numbers three or four. I'm going to leave D'Lo Cielos Deo off the ticket, like I say. I mean, you know, the, the the last quarters aren't impressing me anymore. Um, it's just I'm I'm starting to become nine, numb to 25 last quarters. You're starting to see it more often. So uh, I'm just going to leave him off the ticket and, uh, you know, look elsewhere. Nationally, I know you like Captain Crunch. Are you surprised that it's a 3-1, to one, or did you think maybe you'd get a little bit more value? 
now I think people are looking at that elimination and thinking, you know, he did have, I don't know if he spooked or what the whole deal was, but he did go off stride in the first turn and he tried to make a move, but he kind of struggled over the surface that day. It just wasn't characteristic of him. You may want to talk about it. If you look at this right now, I mean, you know, Captain Treasure is off to a heck of a year, but our three top choices in here, as far as from a betting perspective, I mean, they're all by Captain Treacherous, and this is a one heck of a year for the Stallion. All right. We got trainer Nancy Johansson here. And Nancy, let's talk a little bit about Captain Crunch. Uh, he looked good leaving us here. We've watched him warm up a little bit. What's your thoughts on him uh, as he's been here throughout the night? Um, he warmed up really good. Um, I've, you know, I think that he should be back to his normal self. What happened last week was just kind of a fluke thing. I mean, seeing him on TV screen now, he looks nice and composed. And I think he's ready to go. He seemed a little bit more focused this week when he warmed up, which obviously is not a bad thing. So, Hopefully uh, we can get the job done. Listen, I slipped the TV guy a 20 to put him up on the screen so we can talk in a minute now. But, uh, you know, obviously uh, post-date's a little bit tough. But he, we talked earlier tonight before we went on the broadcast, and anytime it's rained, he, he's pretty much come out on top. He, he loves the wet weather, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know why. Nobody else seems to <laughs> like that kind of weather. But um, it's worked for him. And actually, as we were walking out to post-parade, it started to drizzle a little bit. So. I don't know. Maybe it's a sign. We'll see. <laughs> All right, Nancy. Listen, good luck, and hopefully we'll be talking to you in the winter circle. All right. Thanks. All right. Trainer Nancy Johansson, the trainer of your choice here, Captain Crunch. And, gee, you know, where, where do we go here, man? There's a lot of value to be had, and, uh, you know, the betting board is opening as we all expected that it would. Well, I went off the board, and uh, I, I put two horses for fourth in the super. Tyga Hanover and Best in Show, I think one of them is going to slide onto the ticket. I use the uh, two and four on top with the two three four five eight with two three four five eight with six seven for sixty cents for twenty eight eighty. That's my ticket. All right. Well, listen, you're taking a stand here. I like it, man. Well, I'm I, I'm not convinced any one horse is going to win the race, but I'm fairly confident the two or four is going to win. So I try to look for some value underneath, similar as I did in the race before here. Mike, just looking at the uh, pick three will pays. Uh, working on a mystery is the lowest. I don't think that's any surprise, but uh, Better's Wish is right behind him in the uh, pick three payoffs, uh, which is kind of interesting in the sense that he kind of leapfrogged Delo Cielos Deo and Captain Crunch in the uh, pick three will pays. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at those now. It's 86 for the four, 107 for the three, and then the eight's 128 and the two's 130. And the next closest in that group is 485, and that's with number five, Captain Victorious. Now, taking a look at him, I could tell you that they did have high hopes for this horse, that he qualified really well at the Meadowlands in preparation for his three-year-old campaign. He was bet the smithereens in that first Pennsylvania Sire Stakes race at the Meadows and uh, lost to a pretty nice horse in the Love Me Some Lou. And uh, then he just had some issues. I mean, he, he broke his next start. That was on the slop at Pocono, and he was never able to get involved. They cl- they come up at Philly in uh, 54 and 4, that back half. And uh, I don't think he raced terrible that day. And I mean, think I'm up here to for the uh, Pepsi North America Cup, and he raced okay as a limb. So, um, you know, I, I don't really know where to put this horse. I mean, obviously he's going to have to take a step forward, but, you know, it is trainer Ron Burke, and it just would not surprise me if he does. And uh, I know you guys expected him to be around 9 to 10 to 1. I expected him uh, south of 20. And uh, so, in my opinion, he has gotten some play here. 
Now, the question I have for you guys is, what do you think of the three betters wish? Uh, Dexter Dunn is obviously making his way up through the ranks, Garnet, and uh, currently sitting at 9-2. to two. I think he's a bit of an overlay. I think his uh, race last week was, was terrific. Um, and he's, uh, you know, the horse is unbeaten this year. Um, 49 and two elimination winner, 26 and change, come, 27 flat coming home. I, he's as good as any of them. I mean, it's going to come down to trip. So why wouldn't you take 11 bucks on a horse like this? I think this is one of those races where you just got to kind of spread and spread and pray. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you, you obviously have to take a stand somewhere. Garnet has on the two and the four. Ashley really likes the eight. Ashley, if you're a betting person and trying to explain to somebody like how to bet, well, we know you're a betting person, but explain to somebody how to bet this race. What, what do you tell them? I mean, there's a lot of value here. Tons of value. I think, you know, what I'm going to do here is play a try and exact it with a few horses on top and then start to progressively, you know, fill up the bottom spots. I do like betters wish at four to one. I really wasn't sure coming into this race today, whether I liked this horse or not, but if you look at the last race, Dexter Dunn had a nice trip with treacherous rain and this horse is a similar run style can rate very nicely and make that move in the stretch. And I mean, Dexter could do the same thing that he just did a race ago. <laughs> Guys, it's or Mike real quick. Let's let you talk about the Linda Shadel train, number one, eight flame Hanover. Obviously, 99 to one, a big long shot, but the Pennsylvania connections uh, kind of touch home to you. This is a big uh, a big deal for uh, the Shadels, and uh, you know there was a really good article that was actually written by the Young Jedi, Ray Catolo, about uh, <laughs> about this horse, and uh, you know. It's a, it's an interesting story because they're pretty much uh, they stay on the fair circuit a lot. The Shadles, Tony and his brother Todd, and then Tony's wife Linda, they uh, pretty much have a lot of success on the Pennsylvania fair circuit, and uh, obviously some overnights racing in Harris Philly and uh, and and don't forget uh, Todd Shadle uh, won the 2005 Hamiltonian with with Vivid Photos. So Todd has had some success, but for the most part, the Shadle group has pretty much stayed home in Pennsylvania, and uh, you know for them to to send a horse. Uh, up to a race like this, uh, you know, is pretty telling. And, you know, does have some talent. He is 0 for 9. And, uh, you know, so he really doesn't have the, the stats that you're kind of looking for in this particular race. But it is second time Andy McCarthy. He does draw well. You know, he does have a good late kick. And this is one of those races, like Garnet said, you've got a lot of speed in this race. And if uh, things get exhausting up top, I mean, if we see that 53 and change half, you know, I mean, things could really break down. And when things break down, this is where you see long shots like a flame Hanover or see long shots like, uh, uh, you know, maybe somebody like Stag Party or somebody like that or Captain Victorious pick up the pieces. So it's really going to depend what happens on top. But, I mean, at 99 to 1, I think he's he's worth even underneath spot here. All right. We are 30 seconds away from the 2019-36th edition of the Pepsi North America Cup. Mike, I'm going to let you and Garnet take it away, buddy. All right, so Mike Carter is going to go do his USTA duties, and we're closing it on post time. Uh, Garnet, any final thoughts on what uh, could be a world North America Cup? I think uh, the odds played out the way I thought they would. I thought working on a mystery would go off favorite. I figured the two De Lo Cielo Deo would get overbet, even though I picked him as my winner. I think he's a little bit overbet here. Now three to one, not so bad. Uh, Captain Crunch, a lot of people like him. Derek Gibner said he's the, he's the no-brainer pick here. I'm not so sure. I'm not really sold that um, he's dominant. Um, I think it's it's reasonably wide open, Mike. I'm I'm really excited to see what's going to happen here. 
Yeah, I think uh, Captain Crunch is definitely the one to beat. I used him on top in the in my uh, trifecta tickets, but right now working on a mystery is the eight to five favorite, three to one on two. Delo Cielo Stano, three to one on number eight. Captain Crunch, nine to two on three. Betters wish, and then the rest are in double digits, eighteen to one right now. And the Ron Burke trainee, uh, Captain Victorious, actually up to nineteen to one now, twenty four to one on ten. Stag Party, never underestimate Casey Coleman in a race like this in her home turf. 36 to 1 on 6, Tyga Hanover, 51 to 1 on 7, best in show, 68 to 1 on 9, Hurricane Emperor, and of course the big long shot is a Flame Hanover, 99 to 1. Without further ado, let's send it upstairs. The voice of Woodbine Mohawk, Ken Middleton, it is Pepsi North America Cup time, the main event on this star-studded program at Woodbine Mohawk. Ken Middleton with the goal. We have a breaker. Tyga Hanover's made a break. Have we had a recall here? Recall apparently as we have no lights, no horn, but we've got a reformation apparently in the Pepsi North American Cup final. Okay, so Garnett, we're going to bring you back in. Obviously, a little bit of drama here with the recall. Tyga Hanover making a break, and uh, well, that was kind of an interesting scenario. There is uh, Ken Middleton uh, was kind of confused if there was going to be a recall or not. Yeah, I don't know if maybe the recall light didn't work. So, I mean, there's obviously a speaker uh, attached to that car where um, the starter talks to the driver. So they he must have told them uh, through the speaker. And uh, Tyga Hanover definitely has broken equipment before the start. So. Uh, good thing that the starter uh, spotted that. Otherwise, uh, he would have been out of the race, and uh, half of my ticket would be dead on the super. Let's talk about what something like this could do to horses. Uh, I mean, can it affect it from a you know a mental point of view? I mean, you know, getting ready for a start, they're prepared for a start, and then all of a sudden something like this happens. I mean, can this figure into a horse's performance? I'm just looking at the, some of the ones that are going by here. I guess only if horses are a little bit hot. And working on a mystery looked like he was a little bit hot going by. But uh, Better's Wish was the next one they showed. It looks very calm, cool, and collected. Um, I, I think uh, one of the things I mentioned uh, already today was that um, the sta- standard breeds are such a cool breed. Uh, they, they're very, um, you know, compliant animals. So um, it, it sounds like... Now, now I'm just getting information, Mike, that the reason for the recall was uh, the six Tiger Hanover interfered with Best in Show when he was off stride. So it wasn't a, an equipment recall at all, which is uh, kind of peculiar because those are the two horses that I stuck in the fourth position on the super ticket, I bet. But I don't I don't know. I don't think it affects them much. I think standard breeds are, are really uh, one of the probably the most relaxed of all racehorse breeds, uh, you know, when you compare them to quarter horses or thoroughbreds. And, of course, you talk about one of the uh, unsung heroes, in my opinion, uh, in racetracks across the country, and that is the actual starter because, you know, a starter has split seconds to make decisions like this. And, and uh, you know, that's, it's almost like the morning line maker. You never uh, – and when's the last time you, you said, wow, what a great start that was? The only time you, you, you kind of notice the starter is when there's maybe a questionable recall or a bad start. It's certainly one of the thankless jobs out there and uh, in the – sport of harness racing yeah they're kind of like um referees they only you only notice them when they make a mistake right so uh, <laughs> definitely uh starters are you know they're for sure unsung heroes you just expect them to get it right every time they kind of have to all right and now you see tim teacher thinking number four working on a mystery pretty much around the the uh the length of the racetrack here and 
And uh, so, you know, a couple of different strategies at play here when it comes to, uh, you know, a situation like this. I mean, you obviously don't want to get a horse uh, sweated up and uh, overworked, but on the other side of the token, you don't just want them standing around back there either. So, you know, this could play, I would say this could play a role. You know, I was talking to a, a trainer friend of mine a couple of weeks ago and, and, uh, uh, and her horse scored down very, very well. It was an overnight race, and her horse sco- scored down very, very well. And uh, and then all of a sudden, a horse threw a shoe. I had to go back to the shoe repair, and the horses were out there, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And uh, in that span of 10, 15 minutes, she did get, you know, kind of uh, lathered up and washed out. And, and, you know, so things like that can happen and can affect performance. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. Absolutely. Yeah, it can. And, uh they're just starting to line up now. I don't know if you uh, you have a delayed feed compared to us, but um looks like they're just starting to line up. They all look fairly calm, cool, and collected, so I guess you're going to be sending it up to Ken shortly. All right, let's let's uh, let's try it once again. It's the Pepsi North America Cup Act 2, I guess uh, you could say, as the countdown clock once again uh, is set to expire. We're going to send it up to the uh, fine voice of Woodbine at Mohawk Park, one of the best announcers in this business. Ken Middleton is once again, they reform behind the starting gate post time for the Pepsi North America cup after the recall number six, Tyga Hanover interfering with number seven best in show while on a break, the official reason from the judges for the recall, but the horses now once again are forming in behind the starter here at Woodbine Mohawk. Let's send it upstairs once again. Ken Middleton with the once call. Again, the gate is rolling and the field of 10 assembles. Little has changed on the odds board. Working on a mystery. Holding as the favorite of 3-2. to two. Second choice of 3-1, to one, number 2, Delos Yellowstale. Couple of 7-2 to two shots in number 3, Better's Wish. And a Captain Crunch. It's post time for race 11. 36th edition of the Pepsi North America Cup. Gate swings into the stretch with 10 of racing's finest sophomore pacing Colton Geldings lined up set for a start. They're often pacing, leaving quickly Captain Crunch. Captain Victorious down the center with him. In at the rail of flame, Hanover, charging out his better's wish now, driving into the first turn. Jingra to the front with Captain Victorious, but Captain Crunch presses on. Sweeping up on the outside, better's wish into third now, and fourth away at the rail, left out of flame, Hanover. Tietrick already up and driving with working on a mystery from in fifth now. Sixth to the outside is Delos Yellow's Deo as he backpedals, tries to find a seat. Best in show, just to his inside drives through. Then it's back to Tyga Hanover. Hurricane Emperor stag party trailing. 26 flat. They sizzled that first quarter and Dunn has made the front as Better's Wish takes them up towards the midway point. Parked and pressing is working on a mystery. Back into third is Captain Crunch with a ringside seat to the early battle. Captain Victorious fourth now. Fifth and up on the move from the backfield. Best in show. Scooting through is a flame. Hanover then sweeping to the outside goes to Los Yellowsdale. Final three are Tyga Hanover stag party and Hurricane Emperor. 
52 and 4, a wild first half, as working on a mystery. Paid a hefty price to get the front, and he's under pressure now from Captain Crunch, who's coming on. Right there, third is Better's Wish in the pocket spot, with cover Captain Victorious to fourth now, then a flame Hanover buried sixth, seventh of the outside, best in show. They're at three quarters in 120 flat, and they're into the stretch, and it's working on a mystery. Still there at the rail, Captain Crunch on the outside, trying to get by him. Captain Crunch on the outside of the front nail. Squeezing through between comes Better's Wish. In at the rail, it's working on a mystery. Eighth of a mile to go. Cup 36, and Captain Crunch is clear. Captain Crunch and Zeron with a rebound score in the Pepsi North America Cup, winning it by three quarters of a length. Better's Wish was second, working on a mystery third. 147 and 2. Stakes, track, and a Canadian record performance for Captain Crunch in the Cup. Well, there it is. Stakes, track, and Canadian record for Captain Crunch, who takes care of business. It was a two-used mile for uh, Nancy Johansson's horse here, and obviously he overcame the issues that he had with this racing service last uh, time out. Let's bring in Garnet Barnsdale. And Garnet, here is a horse that uh, really had to work hard to uh, overcome a mistake to make the final, and he definitely proved that that elimination was a fluke. Absolute monster trip. If you weren't a believer before in this horse, you should be now because, I mean, 52 and four. He did a lot of the work to get to that 52 and four opening half. Got overtaken 20 flat to the three quarters, 27 and two coming home. That's the fastest mile ever by a three year old uh, in, in uh, Canada. Um, you know, and uh, it goes to prove that the track is fast, but uh, just I, I don't think you can say enough about this horse. And Better's Wiss race, huge too. The two moved to, to finish. Second, it was um, it shaped up to be a great race, and it really was a great great harness race, Mike. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to see see this race. But you got an overlay in this horse. I, I wasn't a believer, but for the people that were, um, he shouldn't have been four to one off one poor performance. I don't think. No, he certainly shouldn't have been four to one. But uh, I'll tell you what, give some credit to Better's Wish and working on a mystery. I thought they raced very well, especially Better's Wish, who uh, you know actually took the lead and then yielded, and then uh, got uh, a little bit of a shuffle, had to come to the outside, and and uh, by that time Captain Crunch uh, had already had the momentum. Um, a Flame Hanover finished fourth, and this is a horse I think that is going to help the Superfecta quite a bit. Uh, you know, I, I kind of wish he would have finished third because that would help my Trifecta quite a bit, but. Uh, Nonetheless, I think he's going to put uh, he's going to put a little bit of a good payoff into that super, you would think. Yeah, and sometimes when when you like one of those bombs, it's good to bet a, it's good to bet into both pools. Bet a tri key him for third, bet a super key him for fourth, because that happens to me a lot too. And then I'm always saying after the race, well, why didn't I bet the super? Of course, the horse is ninety nine to one. It's probably more likely he's going to finish fourth and third, right? And um, this super is going to pay great with him fourth. I'm sure of it, especially since uh, you know the chalk didn't win the race. Uh, I think uh, the the two horse, uh, my top pick, who showed virtually nothing, uh, was the second choice, I believe. So, this super's got to pay over a thousand dollars for a buck, I would think, Mike. Yeah, and even the pick three, I thought, and we talked a little bit about that before this race started. The pick three, I thought, paid well because uh, you know, Better's Wish, and then you know, Delo Cielos Deo, and uh, uh, working on a mystery, receiving a lot of the attention. I think Captain Crunch is actually the fourth highest; they're the fourth lowest pick three. Uh, you know, which uh, I thought was pretty good. But uh, we're going to have a winner's circle reaction. Congratulations to the connections of Captain Crunch. Boy, he earned it today. And like you said, Garnet, I think that was just a, a fantastic harness race. Captain Crunch, three brothers stables, uh, you know, very, very good people there. And uh, Rohan stables, 
bred by Walland Ridge Farm and Sharon Mears. Here's another Captain Treacherous uh, horse uh, that uh, and he's having a great day as a sire. Art Escape by Sweet uh, Sweet Paprika, uh, the mare Art Escape, the uh, the mare's sire, Nancy Johansson. Uh, the winning trainer. We just had her on the show just uh, more mere minutes before the start of the uh, of the uh, North America Cup, and she seemed uh, pretty confident. And Scott Zeron, uh, Garnet, uh, who I think is turning into quickly one of the big money drivers. You know, you think about guys like John Campbell and Dave Miller and Tim Tetrick. I think Scott Zeron, Garnet, should start being in that conversation. Absolutely. I mean. He's won the Hamiltonian. He's he's won the Jug. He won the Jug many years ago. Um, I can still remember his first win here was at Georgian Downs with a horse. I wish I could remember its name. I actually bet it. Uh, he swung three wide on the backstretch and went off by about five lengths. And I can still remember his dad, Rick, and a few other people lifting the entire bike off the ground, which the horse didn't like. But um, from the first few drives that you see Scotty drive up here, he just simply looked like a natural. And that's what I always say about him is he was the natural. And, uh, you know, he just keeps getting better and better, and uh, he's kind of got ice water in his veins, really. He comes through in these big races, like you said. Let's talk about maybe some of the horses, uh, or at least one horse, that uh, did not race so well, and that was uh, Los Cielo Steo, and uh, he just never really seemed comfortable out there. I mean, it looked like he was kind of causing a traffic jam there off that first quarter as uh, uh, Dave Miller was trying to get him to a pylon position, and uh, this is a horse you may want to look at going forward, Garnet, because like I say, if you watch the replay, he just he, he just never got comfortable out there, at least the, the way my eyes saw it. No, he uh, he couldn't get him down to the pylons in the first quarter. It looked like uh, he he was down there for a minute and he came off him again. And I thought he was going to back through the field. And then he kind of caught the field again, but he was never really on the bit. Like, he never really was into the flow. And um, it's it's unusual because the race kind of set up for a closer like him. So, yeah, I think um, he definitely had some trouble. I don't know if he's, uh, if he's got some soundness issues uh, or equipment or whatever it was, but he was never really in the race, which is disappointing for me anyway. All right, so let's take a look at these prices. Uh, Garnet Captain Crunch returns 1030, 510, 330. Three betters wish $463.04, working on a mystery 260. The exact that returns 2095 for a dollar. I think that's a very good payoff. The try uh, for 20 cents returns 1194. But here is what we talked about the Superfecta with a flame hand over the 99 to 1 shot, finishing fourth. The twenty cent superfecta with the three logical three logical horses on top, and then your long shot fourth for twenty cents garnet gets you one hundred forty four dollars and thirty six cents. Yeah, so seven hundred and twenty. I thought it might pay closer to a thousand, but I certainly wouldn't be complaining if I had it for even twenty cents. Um, but yeah, excellent payoff, and uh, I think that's kind of the way you need to play some of these races. Kind of play around in the third and fourth slots because um, obviously the best horses usually duke it out and one of them wins the race. And uh, kind of in the aftermath of those battles, other horses that are doing less work and get trips sneak onto those positions, if you get what I'm saying. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a way to think about uh, ticket construction, I think. Pick three uh, for 20 cents returns $25.65. Uh, the total pools, that's something that we don't do a whole lot of on this show, but uh, the total pools, I think uh, the management group's going to have to be happy about because it's a $119,000 win pool. I think that's very good. $39,000 uh, place in a $21,000 show. So I think they're uh, going to be happy with that. I don't know if I can get the exact uh, – well, I guess I can. Uh, can I or can't I? No, it's, my app's not letting me do it for some reason. But uh, 
nonetheless, uh, hats off to the connections of Captain Crunch. We're going to take a very quick timeout. When we come back, what are circle reaction? Ashley Mayu is in the sea of humanity. As Nancy Johansson and company congr- uh, celebrate the win with Captain Crunch, who wins the 2019 Pepsi North America Cup. We've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in a moment. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. The Meadowlands racing season is just heating up with large fields, bigger purses, nightly promotions, and some of the greatest restaurants in New Jersey. There are plenty of places to catch all of the exciting action. First post on Friday and Saturday nights is 715. For more information and reservations, call 201 The Big M or visit PlayMeadowlands.com. Back to Mike Bozich in the post time with Mike and Mike Studios. Garnet Barnsdale is live on site along with Mike Carter, Ashley Mayu, and Ace Barnsdale. And uh, we're still uh, we're going to get some winner circle reaction here in just a moment. So hang tight for that. But Garnet, we're going to bring you in because uh, one more stakes race on the card. It is the Roses Are Red final uh, coming up in race number twelve. And I'll tell you what, the older mare Pacers have been putting on quite a show 
all year long so far. And we're only in June. They picked up right where they left off in 2018. And as tempting as it is, because this is such a deep group of Mare Pacers, uh, you know, Sharton has continued to fend them off. And she's only lost one time here in 2019. And that's amazing, in my opinion, considering how good this group is. Yeah, and you, you know you, you go back sometimes to the uh, to Betsy Ross and uh, how how uh, great a battle it was, and that might have been Sharton's best mile of the year because she was forced to go a twenty five and four third quarter to put the heat on Caviar Alley that day, who was leading, um, and you know she got a thirty second uh, second quarter, so it was definitely advantage Caviar Alley at that point, and Sharton just ground her down, and she, she would not be denied. So. For me, I mean, Sharton is still head and shoulders the best. Even though Caviar Alley gave her a race that day, she finished second to her a number of times. She's one to nine on the board. I'm not going to bet against her. I'm going to try and probably, I might try and cold punch a $20 try here and hope it pays $13 for a buck or something crazy like that. But to me, she's still head and shoulders the best, Mike. And usually Sharton only loses when she beats herself, when she misbehaves or she gets hot and, uh, you know, jumps it off or something like that. And I, I don't see her getting beat in this field. You know, her wins just keep amazing me. I mean, in the Breeders' Crown, it looked like she was going to get enveloped in the stretch, and she just kept going. And, and the race at Harris Philly, I, I keep going like you just talked about the Betsy Ross Garnet, but here's the thing about watching replays, okay? If you look at the charted line of Sharton, it shows her inside at the half in the pocket, which she was, okay? And she was out at three quarters, but right after the half pole, like right after the half, Apple Bottom Jeans was coming first over, so Dietrich had to go to the outside with this horse. So she was on the outside of Caviar Alley grinding just after the half. She got a, a nary a breather in that particular race. And um, Caviar Alley did slow that pace tremendously. Uh, it, look, you get the 25 and two quarter and you get a 30 second quarter. Um, you know, you just have to wonder if Caviar Alley would have kind of kept the tempo a little bit more. I mean, sometimes, you, you know, you see these slow second quarters, Garnet, by these leaders, and, you know, you see a lot of times when they get beat, you just wonder if that kind of puts the horse to sleep a little bit. You just kind of wonder if they would have continued a little bit more of a tempo if, you know, they would have lasted. Yeah, you, I, I, I guess so, and... Um... It's just, uh, Sharton is just amazing to me. Like, she's won uh, 26 out of 32 starts she's been here. To make, uh, last year, she made a mil- over a million dollars. For an age pacing mare, that's uh, that's almost impossible to do in North America. Like, you've got to come to every one of the big dances and, and put your best foot forward and, and win almost every one of them to make that kind of money. And she was a finalist for Horse of the Year. So, um, for me, from a wagering standpoint, um, I might try to cold punch an exactor here and try to get Caviar and Alley beat. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm looking at either uh, Tequila Monday or you or my candy girl because what I'm thinking, Mike, is to try and get the horse that's going to be following in third that's probably not going to go first up. So if at some point Caviar and Alley comes out, maybe, you know, at the three quarters and uh, the horse that's racing third stays on the inside and can maybe slip by her at the end. I'm not going to I'm not gonna bet an exactor that's paying $4 for two bucks because at that point I must have just skipped the race. Okay, Garnet. Let's. Uh, we got Ashley Mayo in the winner's circle, uh, and she is live with the connections. Ashley. Well, the winner's circle was wild. Champagne, autographs, you name it for driver Scott Zeron. Take us through your trip. It just looked perfect. 
yeah, the recall didn't seem to bother him whatsoever, and I was able to time him into it the second time around. And and I, I obviously wanted to be on front. I, I just got there, I guess, a little too early, so uh, the flow kept on coming with some crazy speed. So it, I was able to only move heading into the last turn to be first up. And at that point, it was just a matter of if he's going to show me his greatness or not, and he really did. Were you, you know, did you have any nerves going into this, knowing how the elimination went? No, and because this is my end-all, be-all race, I've always wanted Dream to winning. I've been nervous in the past, and I'm not nervous for anything. But today I would just seem calm because I knew what kind of horse he was. As long as I kept him out of trouble, I'd be all right. How do you feel he's progressing as a three-year-old? I mean, he looks like he's just getting better and better. Yeah, he really is. But, you know, even at two, he was an amazing animal. And then uh, this year he's just gotten bigger, stronger, and, and he just floats over the ground like every good horse really does. Congrats, Scott. All right, Mike. Uh, what a sea of humanity that was. Champagne, they went through three bottles of it. Already? Uh, they went through three bottles of it spraying Scotty with it. Oh, wow, that's awesome. How that's... incredible was that, huh? But this like, this is Scotty's dream to, to win this race. I mean, Scotty, uh, you know, I was mentioning to Mike, I can still remember the first race he won at Georgian Downs. I actually bet the horse. He pulled three, slingshotted three wide with a horse stuff that was family-owned, and uh, the Rick and all the family members lifted the bike off the ground, and the horse went a little nuts. <laughs> I can remember that like it happened yesterday. And, uh, you know, he always looked like a natural from the word go, and he just keeps getting better and better. And he's won so many big races now. Well, Mike, uh, we don't have much time to regroup here. We're getting ready to kick off the uh, 12th race. It's the Roses Are Red final. We're going to pause 30 seconds for station identification. We'll come right back, and we'll kick off – excuse me, we'll conclude – the Pepsi North America Cup program. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and the Bet America Radio Network. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the barn. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Mike Carter, Mike Bozich, Ashley Mayu, Garnett Barnsdale, and the Ace Barnsdale and McWicket. Look at Ashley, you got to look at McWicket here. He's 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 enjoying the ladies walking by. He's a little studding it out a little bit, huh? Very mature, but he's just looking around at everyone. All right, well, guys, let's take a look at the twelfth race. It's the Roses Are Red final. It's the final stake of the night. We will get the stake in. We can't promise we're going to get an interview in. We do go off the air at 11 o'clock. However, if you don't hear the interview live, you can check it out, as always, on the archive. A full field of 11 going postward. One Tequila Monday has won five of her last six starts, was beaten by a two and a quarter lengths in the Betsy Ross. She is currently 37 to one and presents some value, if you ask me. Yeah, this one looks good. And then we'll look at the two caviar alley for caviar farms, breeder Hanover shoe farms. This five-year-old Mary, you know, she's had an okay year. She hasn't, hasn't finished worse than second and uh, comes off two back-to-back second place finishes. One of which was in the elimination. Three, you are my candy girl owned by Bill Donovan, trained by Ron Berker and by Yannick Jingra. You are my candy girl. I think tipped her hand at some improvement. Last time was first up against Chardon and Caviar Alley, finished third, only beaten, uh, looks like a length to Caviar Alley. This is my second pick in the race. I'm taking a cold exactor, Chardon, and over you or my candy girl tonight. All right. Number four was my vote for horse of the year last year, Chardon. Boo. Don't boo me. 
Sharkin deserved it. it Sharkin deserved it as much as anybody else. And you I don't care what anybody said. I, I might have gotten it wrong. The public got it wrong. She has won. She won 19 of 24 last year, seven of eight thus far this year. Was the only mare in the history of harness racing to make $1 million in a season last year. Sharton is all deservingly being one to five. Five's currently six to one, was eight to one morning line. This is better joy. This horse, you know, didn't race the greatest in the uh, elimination, barely made it again, but had a nice closing kick, had a little bit of an outside post position there, drawing the seven hole, was far back, really shuffled far back. So, you know, actually, the more I look at this horse, kind of like him. Six, don't think twice. A is coming off a uh, second time off a minor break. Uh, finished six feet and four lengths last time to Sharton. Probably fighting for some scraps here at 55 to one. Number seven is Alexis Faith. And uh, looks like uh, Ace has an interview. I'm not sure exactly who it's with, but Ace has an interview and we'll get go to him before we finish the post parade. Ace, take it away, my friend. I'm trackside with Tony Alanya. Now, he didn't have any skin in the big race, but he was probably he's probably one of the happiest trainers on the grounds right now. He's won the fan Hanover. He's won the good time. And he may just about win the Rosa Red Tony. Tell us about how your day's been going and tell us a little bit about these horses that have got you this far. Uh, we've, we've had a great day today. We uh, baby raced at the Meadowlands, some really nice captain treacherous colts and fillies. And came up here tonight, you know, Pilot got a really nice win and uh, against Stakes Company for the first time. And, uh, you know, the Philly was uh, fantastic. Uh, treacherous rain, 48-3. I mean, just a, just a huge effort she put in tonight. And called Drink Hanover, got stuck in a bad spot first up a long ways from fifth. But, uh, you know, nothing away from treacherous rain. She, she was phenomenal tonight. Tony, you're one of the best stakes trainers, well, one of the best trainers in North America, but certainly one of the best stakes trainers in North America. What makes you so successful, especially on these big nights? I think, you know, having the horsepower and my staff. You know, I had the horses up here this week with my mom and my second trainer, and uh, they did a phenomenal job. I got on the plane and came up here. The horses were ready to go, and, uh, you know, everything worked out great. You know, we've got a great relationship with Andy McCarthy and Dexter Dunn. They've done a great job for us, and uh, with the horses in the spot where they can win. Uh, last question. Oh, coming up, you've got uh, Sea Swift Joy. Tell us a little bit about that horse and uh, what do you expect from her tonight? She's, she's a really good mare who's just had a lot of bad posts. Uh, you know, she would come up here and she won three in a row in the mare open, and she drew all the nine hole tonight. I believe she had the eight or nine hole last week in the prep. Uh, she drew the eight hole in the matchmaker final after being, uh, you know, very, very good through the series of Yonkers. Uh, but uh, she's a very, very good class mare quality. Just needs things to go her way tonight with the bad post, but uh, you know she's heavily staked for this year, and she'll get her uh, she'll get her day. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's next for the uh, for all these three horses? Uh, Tall Drink Hanover and Treacherous Rain have the uh, Lynch next week at uh, Poconos. Pilot discretion, we did not make him eligible to the Beal because you know we thought we were throwing enough at him early in his career because he didn't race that much at two, so we didn't make the Beal payment. Uh, so he's got a couple weeks till the dancer, uh, which is good. I mean, that's no problem because he's got a lot big rest of the year. So we'll take him on, brush him up a little bit. All right, Tony, thanks so much for your time. Congratulations on the big day, and good luck in a few minutes' time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, guys, back to you. Thanks, Ace. And uh, as we finish taking a look at the field here, eight betters up. It's won two straight. Four trainer Nick Surik uh, comes in off of a qualifier at a gateway in 53 and four. And the nine is a horse you like, Ashley. 
Yeah, we just heard about the interview. They seem like they have high hopes for this six-year-old mare. And you look at her last time in the elimination. She was hard-charging, too, just being by three and three-quarter lengths. And prior to that, she had had three wins in a row. I really like her. And I'm surprised she's floated up from eight to one to 33 to one. I definitely think she has major play here in, you know, the bottom of the exotic. The 10, Kissing in the Sand, driven by Scott Zero and for Nancy Johansson here. You ever think you'd see Kissing in the Sand at 86 to one in a race? Never. Never in a million years. Oh, you're seeing it tonight. Kissing in the sand, 86 to 1 from the 10 hole. You could do worse than put a deuce on her, maybe. And the 11, listen, Garnet, you might blow through the ceiling if Adriano wins the, another race tonight. Adriano Sorella owned number 11, double A mint. Is owned by Adriano Sorella. Richard Moreau, the uh, trainer, Louis Philibois, is in the sulky. We don't have much time to talk, Mike. I'm going to send it back to you. We're 48 seconds away. I'm going to let you and Garnet finish this one up. All right, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, go uh, get busy and go to work. And uh, well, Garnet, how are you going to play this race? What are you thinking? And I promise I won't tell your opponents. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna go down in history with uh, winning the sprint home. Listen, I went short. I went short onto you or my candy girl for a twenty dollar straight cold punch exactor. I think uh, I don't think if you look at that last race, I don't think you or my candy girl is that far behind Caviar Dally. If she can just work out a decent enough trip, she might be able to slide into second here at the wire. All right. I Like I say, my long shot here is going to be Tequila Monday. I think she'll be a little bit better than she was in the Betsy Ross. Did not take to the Harris Philly surface. I do believe that particular day. And I think uh, she kind of rebounded well in that 15-2 mile in uh, the Great Northeast uh, Series at the Downs of Mohegan Sun Pocono. We're 20 seconds away. And uh, don't forget, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've only, we're going to be uh, cut off the air here at 11 o'clock. So uh, we've only got about seven minutes to go. We are going to try to get an interview afterwards. That will appear on the archive. The archive is available right away after the show's over on post time with mike and mike.com uh, so make sure you check that out but we are going to get the call of the race in as uh, we turn it upstairs to our good friend one of the best in the business another great call in the pepsi north america cup for ken middleton and uh, i'm sure he's going to give us a good call right here good group of aged mayor pacers led by the queen Sharton. can they upend her today she's one to five We'll find out. Let's send it upstairs. Again, Middleton. The gate for tonight's twelfth race. Now the rich final of the roses are red. One to five in favor of number four, Sharton. Teacher aboard for trainer King. Pacing mares won seven of eight this season. Thirty-three time winner to date. Post time for tonight's twelfth race. Last chance to play the late pick four. Here they come. They're often pacing huge start for C. Swift Joy down the center. Sharton explodes down the center. Put in a couple steps there, though, for Tietrick. Not smooth early, but better gated now. There goes Sharton right to the front. Coming away second is Caviar Ally. Back into third is Tequila Monday. Looking for the tuck into fourth is C. Swift Joy, and she got it. Back there from in fifth, going into the turn. There tracks Better Joy. Then further back to You Are My Candy Girl. A gap of another two back to double A Mint. And the final ones in the field are Don't Think Twice, Parked Out Kissing in the Sand. Then a 
it's a Lexus Faith and betters up is trailing. Huge first panel, 25 and 4, and Sharton leads them across the backstretch. Sharton has got the lead at 3 8. Back into second is Caviar Ally. Tequila Monday right there, third. Sea Swift Joy back inside from in fourth, but on the move. She left hard. She's back out and driving first up now. Picking up her cover comes Better Joy. Scooting up the rail is Double A Mint. End of the outside is You Are My Candy Girl. In at the rail is Don't Think Twice. The parked out Kissing in the Sand. Tracked by Alexis Faith. Last at the rail is Better's Up. Half in 54 and 4. A crucial second quarter breather of 29 seconds flat for Sharton. And Sharton goes into the final turn for Tietrich, leading it just over a length. Back into second is Caviar Ally. Third outside to see Swift Joy. Moving up on the cover outside to fourth now comes Better Joy. And in at the rail fifth, Tequila Monday. Sixth outside is You Are My Candy Girl. They're at three quarters in 122 and two, and they're into the stretch after that 27 and three. Third quarter, sharpened by two. Steps away from Caviar Ally, who's back into second but fully extended. Now up off cover comes Better Joy from the backfield. And onto the scene is You Are My Candy Girl on the far outside, scooting up the rail to Tequila Monday, Sharton coming into the final 16th, still clear by two, and the Roses are red, stakes final goes to Sharton. Sharton wins impressively in 149. Well, she is the queen, and she stays the queen. Sharton makes the front, gets the big breather in the second quarter, and uh, you know, Garnet, you have to you have to. Uh, figure once you see the 29 second quarter that that was pretty much all she wrote. And Garner must have went up to cash a ticket. So uh, <laughs> congratulations. Oh, there I am. Oh, there you are. Did Tequila Monday finish second? That was I, very, very close for second. That was I very close. Over. Didn't I say I was going to bet Tequila Monday a couple hours ago? <laughs> then I kind of yeah. forgot about it. And I think I think she might have got second. Yeah, I mean, Sharton, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how she gets beat. Look at that, 4 one two. That's how I kind of said it was going to go initially, and then I somehow went to You're My Candy Girl for a second. Anyways, uh, 49 flat. The beat goes on. Um, she's just that good. And you're right. Yeah, as soon as she, she gets one, 29 is. quarter, I mean, that's that's that, really. Tequila Monday closed up the inside to be second. Very good odds, though. Garnet 33-1. to one. And yep. uh, finishing third, number two, Caviar Alley, and five, Better Joy, finished fourth. So four, one, two, five. And, uh, you know, Garnet, we talked about Tequila Monday. We talked about the fact that she really, uh, you know, didn't get the service at Eris Philly a couple of starts back. And, uh, you know, that she, uh, she, I mean, she's done no wrong in her other starts. I mean, if you take off the Betsy Ross, she's undefeated in 2019. Absolutely. And, um yeah, we kind of figured like Tequila Monday was going to sit third on the inside, and I think that's how. I think I mentioned that earlier in the show that uh, when Caviar Alley comes up the rail, one of the you know whoever's sitting third could slide up and get second, and that's exactly how the race went. And I bet it wrong. This happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know we uh, we talked about Caviar Alley. I mean, obviously she, you know, her and Sharthan have been kind of butting heads. Uh, you know, Caviar Alley just uh, probably is a clear second probably uh is the second best mayor in the country right now next to next to Chartin and she would probably have a whole lot more in her bankroll if uh, Chartin wasn't around but uh you know the dynamics of that race Garnet we talked about it I think the 29 second quarter just wrapped it up I mean she obviously has high speed she can go the 25 opening quarters and if you know if she gets any semblance of a rating in the second quarter it's she's just going to be very tough to beat 
Yeah, it, there almost has to be some kind of uh, some kind of suicidal duel or something for her to get beat. And I mean, if if she was going to get beat this year, it would have been in the Betsy Ross when she was forced to go that crazy monster trip, and uh, she still overcame, right? So, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, I think the only way Chardon gets beat by these this group of mares is if she goes a little bit off herself for whatever reason. Um, maybe she goes a little bit unsound or ouchy feet or something, or she breaks in a race, which she's done. Uh, she did a couple of years ago. She did it a couple of times. She hasn't done it recently, but I think, um, you know, races that are, uh, you know, fair and square, I think she's going to be very hard to beat. I mean, she, she could run the table this year. I mean, I know that it's pretty early in the year to predict something like that, but it could happen. Okay, and uh, we're about to go off the air here live. We are going to stick around for the archive because we do want to keep the interview. You can hear it on the archive uh, moments after the show's over at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. So uh, you're certainly going to want to stick around for that. But uh, Garnet, uh, Ken Middleton, you know, mentioned something pretty interesting, uh, that uh, Sharpton was a little perhaps not best gated off the wings. Now, I have to admit, I really didn't see that at the start. I, I'm just kind of wondering if he saw something that I didn't. Did you see anything funky at the start there? I didn't notice it, but I like to watch it on the replay because I, I actually didn't even hear him say that at the start. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like to check it out on the replay because she does go a little bit bumpy gated every once in a while. But, um, you know, she came out of it okay. And uh, we got Tim Tietrick in the Winter's Circle interview here with Chad Rosema. But, yeah, I mean, it. it I, I guess uh, we'll have to take a look at the replay and see if we can see it. All right, so hats off to the connections of Sharth and uh, Rich Poilucci. You know, he has gotten a lot of good horses overseas, and he has trusted them to the, uh, you know, the connections of Joanne Looney King and Jim King. The husband and wife team uh, has just done a tremendous job. Of course, Tim Tietrich does own a part of Sharth, and, uh, and uh, Jim King is the trainer. So congratulations to those connections. I mean, you just look at her stats. I mean, just just jaw-dropping and it's jaw-dropping Garnet how she can maintain this form on a continuous basis I mean you know we handicap a lot of races Garnet from a lot of different racetracks and you know you see these overnight horses uh, you know they'll get form for a couple of starts then they'll go off form then they'll get back in form and go off form and and to see a horse perform at a high level so many starts in a row is uh, kind of against the laws of I don't know what it should be, right? I think so. I think I mean you got to consider what they're uh, they're going at top speed and pounding the pounding the track with their hooves. And I mean it's so easy for them to get ouchy or pull something, and uh, it's just amazing. She's so durable, and um, you know when you look at her, oh my lord, a thirty-seven dollar exactor with tequila Monday. I'm going to fall oh, off boy. my chair. Man, did I play that wrong? Um, yeah, it's just, wow. uh, I think it's kind of incredible that she's, uh, she just goes on and on and on like, uh, every, every race and she, she brings her, her best race to the, the, to the table every time that exactor paid makes me want to cry with that paid. All right. So Ashley Mayu is going to be joining us here and, uh, I think she has got Joanne Looney King, but, uh, the only problem is I don't see Ashley on the screen. So I'm going to have to text Mike that, uh, Maybe she forgot to call in, <laughs> but uh, we are going to hear from, uh, I'm sure, uh, a uh, very jubilant Joanne Looney King here in just a moment. Part of the uh, husband and wife team, her and Jim King, they just do a fantastic job with a lot of these horses that especially they get overseas and uh, 
You know, the other horse that they do have and did have in that particular race who finished fourth better, Joy, she's no slouch in her own right. I mean, I thought she raced pretty darn good to be fourth in that particular race. So, uh, you know, another horse that probably would have a lot more Benjamins in the bank account if, uh, you know, if Sharpton wasn't around. But Sharpton is just hawking this division. And and uh, it's what's even more surprising that Sharpton is – so dominant in this division, and I and I say this all the time because this is a good group, a deep group of talented older mare pacers. I mean, uh, you know, the, you know, sometimes you see the horses dominate their division, and you know, to be perfectly honest, the division isn't strong or the division, you know, is weak or whatever, and uh, that's not the case here. I mean, Sharp that week in and week out has beaten some heavy duty mares. Absolutely, uh, she certainly is, and uh, like I said, just kind of keeps uh, keeps going on and on. So she, it'll be interesting to see uh, if she ever does get beat, who does it, and how it happens, right? Yep. So, uh, well, let's see. We're we're trying to get Joanne Looney King and uh, <laughs> Mike Carter is screaming. Mike Carter screaming from his production chair to, chair to to put her on the air, and the fact is she. She needs to call in. <laughs> Mike's not on the production. Sure is now. She's she's saying she called in five times and it's not going through. No, oh, okay. Probably probably because we're off the air live. Uh, All right. So here's Ashley and Joanne. Joanne's talking right now. We're going to bring her over here, though, to talk about Chardon, who just put on a dominating performance in the Rose of Red. Let's grab Joanne in here. How are you feeling after that oh, performance? Elated. Elated. It's just one more notch in her belt to show she's a great mare. <laughs> I mean, she's six years old now, and it doesn't, you know, she's not showing any signs of stopping. Yeah, well, it's interesting because when she came over here in November, the year she came, she was four. As soon as she got to this country, she turned five, and two months later, she turned another year old. So she's maybe not really six, if you want to count it that way. She aged two years and two months. And turning for home, she just dominated and set the pace, and it didn't seem like there was any concern from anyone about her getting the job done. Uh, no, and uh, it, I, it's just a dream. It's just, it's just a dream to be able to think that I own part of this great mare. I can't even start to tell you how good it is. And your other horse ran fourth, though. Really good day in the office. Oh, my gosh. It was so good, and I'm so grateful. I'm so very, very grateful. Congratulations, Joanne. All right, trainer. Thank you, Joanne. Trainer Joanne Looney King and Mike. We're off the air, so won't let anybody call in. That's what happened there. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what. What a fantastic show. Let's kind of wrap this thing up, guys and girls. And you know, it, it's been a fun night, Ashley. First to you, uh, your first Pepsi North America Cup night. Uh, what was it like? A lot of fun. You guys like to keep things fun and interesting, and I, it was really unique for me to you know become more involved in the harness community and just seeing how great everyone is in the sport. Garnet? I'm just uh, <clears throat> really happy to be part of this team, and uh, the two the two newcomers are are uh, top notch and uh, did a great job, and we had a, a very enjoyable show, and uh, I walked away ahead a few bucks, so it was a great night and a fantastic North America Cup. Listen, I wish I would have bet with Ashley tonight; I'd be a few more dollars ahead. All right, for Mike Bozich, Ace Barnsdale, Ashley Mayu, Nick, excuse me, Nick Garnet Barnsdale. I'm Mike Carter. Thanks so much for joining us. From the Pepsi North America Cup, we'll see everybody back here on Thursday, first post, 1030. Good night, everybody.